This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking The Northman and the unbearable weight of massive talent. Hell Odin! Hell Nick Cage! Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, how are you? Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more weekly. We dig into movies, we mostly spoil for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 494, 494. 494, what a palindrome, what a palindrome. It's a good one, I like that yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> this week, for 494... Uh, we are talking, we got another double header of a review episode here. We are talking The Northman and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Quite the double feature indeed. Indeed, yeah. And, One uh, that you wouldn't really pair together, but, you know, here we are. Oh, I think it fits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, joining us to discuss both of these films, we have from Lenoir Artur, some call him Terrence the Well-Costumed, others Terrence the Demon Crusher, and a few Terrence the Black. It's Terrence Johnson. <laughs> I, there are no words. No words. <laughs> there are no words to describe. I was like, yeah, these are pretty intro. accurate. And I was like, oh, that one's really on the nose. Yeah, that last one. I, I was like, he does really make good, really good costumes. The demon crusher is the funny uh, one. Um, I had three days to think about how you were going to respond to all of those names. <laughs> and it completely paid off. Yeah. Yeah, that the, the the most unique introduction I've gotten on this show. You can add those to your Twitter profile if you want. Um, I might actually. <laughs> good, Terrence. How are you doing today? Hi, Terrence. I am doing all right. How are you guys? Doing well. No, hanging in there. It's a, it's a bit warm, but uh, it's fine. Yes, it's definitely been. Uh, but the weather in, in SoCal for like last few weeks has been like tripping me out. Uh, all right, let's get to some show notes here. Uh, first up, new commentary track. Terrence, you were just on one for Batman and Robin not too long ago. but now I it's was. A, it's a new, and it was really fun. But now it's a new month. And we're, we had a new commentary track we just recorded in honor of this, this week's episode, actually. We talked about Face Off, the John Woo action classic with Travolta and Cage. And it was super fun to record because uh, there's a lot to talk about with Face Off, just like there generally is every month on our commentary tracks. Uh, but that's available now. You can find that everywhere you can find our show. Uh, including on iTunes. And speaking of which, iTunes Reason Ratings. If you want to uh, search for our show out now with Aaron and Abe, you will find that very face-off commentary, as well as that Batman and Robin commentary, as well as hundreds of other episodes that we recorded. <laughs> right. And, and that, right next to that tab, believe it or not, it says reviews. And you can click on that and you can give us a star rating and a written review. Thank you so much in advance. And again, hundreds of episodes. Mm-hmm. Free. You could you could fall asleep listening to episode number three or whatever when we first when whatever was on there first. You could wake up listening to like episode four because our episodes are so long. Mm-hmm. We're we're almost at the same amount of episodes as The Simpsons. That's the thing to keep. In wow. Mind. You know, technically, actually, we're beyond the movie count, the commentaries, and the in the non-numbered reviews. Wow. So no Charm McClure on our show, though. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll come around. We'll 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 settle for comic book guy. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> what else? As far as show notes go, Summer Gamble X. It's coming. Summer I think Gamble it's, X. It's like almost here. It, it pretty much is because yeah. right now I've. I, I've gotten the, de- the details all together. All of the participants are currently submitting their various picks. Um, and next week, we're going to talk about this move this summer at the movies. 
the or as Vin Diesel calls it, the movies. Um, so get ready. More bass, more bass. I'll, I'll work on it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll modify it and not and uh, <laughs> in audacity. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it'll just insert Vin Diesel's voice anyway, so it's like it didn't matter. Oh, um, perfect. Yeah, exactly. The movies. What if they brought that back for the summer? The movies. What if he did it again? But like, he just, he's just like did a 2022 version of it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming back. Like, to the right. movies yeah finn you're back never left um <laughs> just been on the side of the road all year yeah nicole kidman took my job um okay. oh <laughs> the movies uh, why do we, we go to this place guys <laughs> it's always ends in sadness <laughs> I, just, I just let you guys go on and sit here and, and admire the banter so <laughs> Terrence is the person that's zoning out because he's seen that ad like 60 times. Uh, no, I assume when Terrence goes up, he just walked away from his chair. It's <laughs> like, this is going to go on for another minute. Like, I'll be back <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to some I know quickies. Trademark. Each one that we will be with the I know quickies. DM. All right, Terrence, since you're so involved in this episode so far, let's hear from you. What have you seen recently? Um, what have I seen recently? And what do I want to talk about? These million dollar questions. Um, that I always should be prepared for every time I come on because you don't change them. And yet, there are two movies I know you want to talk about. I know. (laughs) This is why we're not going to have you on for six months. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. What what thrilling thrilling podcast audio this is. Um, So the first one I want to talk about is The Bad Guys. Mm. Um, Which which opened this week. Which opened this week. Number one, I think. Yes. Um, Oh, wow. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Bad Guys is really good, way more style than I thought it would have. There's a lot of wolf jokes baked into the story, which I love. Every, every wolf joke was funny to me. Um, and I was, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. So that's one. And the second movie I want to talk about is a movie I actually have not seen. Okay, go on. <laughs> Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Now... I, because I am a good friend, um, even though Aaron doesn't think that I listen to or read the stuff that he does, I actually listen to the Fantastic Beast oh, okay, episode. Okay, here we go. Last Thank week. you. But you don't. Every time I've been like, oh, did you do this? You'd be like, yeah, I posted it 10 days ago. And I'm like, I was, I'm getting to it. <laughs> so I listened to the Fantastic Beast episode and I have comments slash questions. Okay. I like this. This is, this is a fun <laughs> twist on Quickie. Interactive. Yeah. Yes. Um, the first one, is word on the street is that the reason why Catherine Waterston wasn't in the movie is because she was pregnant. So I know you guys were talking about like weirdly CGI'd at the end. Uh That would certainly explain more of it. Yeah, I think that's why. Okay. Okay. Um, Makes sense. The second is... That's less insidious than the she's been outspoken against the horrible yeah. person that's responded to French. <laughs> that is, that yeah, is known know. as J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I think I think she was pregnant at the time. It's, so It's easier to fire her than Eddie Redmayne. So, okay. that, that is true. Um, do you agree with me that these should have been books first? Yes. And sort of like related to something that we mentioned during the review, which is um, because we don't know, like as an audience member, we don't know where it's going. So it kind of like is made up by J.K. Rowling and her Stephen Cloves, Cloves, uh, yeah, just like uh, you know, on the fly, like after every movie, kind of feels as though it's just like, okay, well, are these actually real ideas that you're having, or just like fun thoughts? I don't think it's on the fly. I think they have a plan mapped out for where the story is going. Mm-hmm. 
like mm-hmm. that, they don't necessarily have finalized screenplays after every single sure, one sure. But, I, but i know they have like i mean i don't i don't think she just you know is going on the seat of her pants and making fantastic beast scripts yeah i yeah, for, we'll for as far as my answer to that question i no not necessarily i i, I think it's fully possible to write movies i mean i, I don't think having a book first <laughs> would, would necessarily improve the quality of these movies i i wondered that because of the first one i felt was like this fun jaunt through new york city mm-hmm. and i was like and the second one is just dreadful so i was like but if the second one had been a book and you were doing all of that globe hopping and character hopping I think it would have played better and then they would have at least known what worked and what didn't work before they readapted it back. Because I think the, the fatal flaw of this franchise is that it is a franchise that's built to get us to one moment, right? So some mm-hmm. Potter lore for the people who are listening to this because the Dumbledore versus Grindelwald final duel, right? In, in Harry Potter lore, it's like the greatest wizarding duel ever. Um, and it's how Dumbledore gets the Elder Wand and it sort of kicks off all of yeah. The stuff that happens in the latter part of the Potter books. And so I'm nodding as if I understand this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're fine. You want, yeah. The thing that the thing that Voldemort broke into the tomb to get in the part I'm one. I'm going to forget of, this in like 20 minutes. So you don't. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the knowledge I, I'm with I, you, Terrence. I was like, I know where you're going. The yeah. knowledge and expertise that I try to bring to this <laughs> podcast, and you just don't even care. Um, but, I care. I'm just saying, I care right now. Oh, it just, oh, thanks. Wow, thank you <laughs> yeah. so much. What, what um, a generous gift. So the point I was trying to make before yeah. I was so, you know, rudely um, dealt with is that it always, the conceit of the beast always felt like a cheat in the beginning because everybody was like, remember this one? This was just about, you know, cute animals and trying, and I was like, but it was never about that. It was all about, it was always about Grindelwald and Dumbledore eventually getting to this moment and they still have two another movie before they even get to that um if they get there so it's 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 such a weird construction of a franchise when you're like we're building to one moment but the way we're going to get people into what this separates us from harry potter as far as that started out as a innocent kids thing versus the end of the world voldemort stuff but you knew right away voldemort is the cause of all of this yeah, right you find out in suffering yeah yeah you find out right away i mean but it, that's discounting the idea that you didn't know there was darkness and fan when there is i mean there's a whole character there's a whole plot line devoted to credence and colin farrell in that first movie it's not like it was hidden but it's not but that wasn't sort of the thing that it was about if the draw you, if you, the draw was the fantastic beast and new yeah his book and so the draw of harry potter magical kids doing fun things yeah and they continue to do fun things throughout the, the obstacles in their way yeah uh, but okay. I think I, I think I, the thing I, with, I would say, having seen the third film, I would argue what I like about this third one is that it gets back to having more fun than that second one. Well, that's good. <laughs> the issue <laughs> is is the beast. I think mm-hmm. it's like they decided to wrap everything up in this beast moniker. It, it, it's so it's so weird to me because it's like I, I so I've I read the plot synopsis for the third because I'm not, I I refuse to watch these movies um, <laughs> anymore. I'm I'm done with oh, the okay, Wizarding anymore. World. Um, I'm done with the Wizarding World. Like I can go back to Potter because it's like I've got that familiar attachment to it. Yeah. From, you, know, you can go to Potter more. I'm going to use this audio clip, and put it under every time you dress up for Harry Potter anything, anytime you post a picture. <laughs> oh, I've, I've retired. I've retired. You say this now. I guess. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> serious. Once up ahead okay. of you, Aaron. If, 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 you're, if you're serious, it shouldn't be a problem. 
yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, the JK Rowling is a terrible person. And I think I've already spent money on stuff, but that doesn't mean I have to wear it out. So I won't be doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it's, it's so weird to think of like, you know, an entire franchise sort of built off of a footnote in a, in a larger story that you then want to explore. And then being like the way we need to get people into this is with some magical creatures running amok in New York City to then having Vinda Rosier kill a baby in part two and Zoe Kravitz die and, you know, introduce a couple more black people to then the third one. It's like, how, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. What like, are we doing? So yeah, I, wa- I, I found it. I found the conversation you guys had last week very fascinating. And so I just wanted to come and my final note, uh-huh. you guys were talking about Harry's parents. You're, you're thinking about the Marauders. That is that is that seems to be the thing that the fandom wants the most. So that's, that you know, James. In terms James, of like the spinoffs that, that could be had. Yeah. Yeah. So people, people have been clamoring. That's, you know, Wormtail. That would be fun. You know, all of them. Yeah. Um, it would i'm i'm scared because i'd be scared of that one because it's like a lot of people think that lucius not lucius oh my lord <laughs> lucius Malfoy had nothing to do with this lupin mm-hmm. and sirius black are like an item that's like a big ship and i'm like you don't want jk rowling to queer bait you again like she did with cursed child oh <laughs> so let's i'm not, not let's i've not. not read or seen cursed child uh but is that a thumbs up thumbs down uh Thumbs up for stagecraft. Okay. Thumbs down for the plot. Got it. All right. So the thing I'd be going there for, thumbs down. Yeah, and I saw it, and it's well, they they've turned it into sort of a one show, but I saw it on. It used to be two shows. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah I heard about that. It turned into one extended show as opposed to two. <clears throat> yeah, I remember hearing. Yeah, due to COVID. So yeah, that's those are my thoughts on this movie that I did not see. Um, <laughs> and thank you for answering my questions. We're all here for you, Terrence. <laughs> I know this is exactly what you pictured, Aaron, when I told you that I wanted to talk about this. <laughs> if anything, we have to do like a spinoff deep dive into this. I enjoy the subversion, uh, but I look forward to talking about another movie you don't see the in a couple subversion. years from now. Assuming, assuming we even get another movie since it's bombing hard in America right now. But we'll Who get knows? It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but we'll, that's. We'll, we might get the I... HBO Max direct. Well, good recap, Aaron. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Abe, how about you? What have you seen and finished? I too. <laughs> I too have seen the bad guys. Uh, oh. Stylish. I, I really dug this movie. I think that there's a lot of quick pacing in this movie. It's at like an hour and 40 minutes. It really gets in, really gets out. It's almost like a flight from the Bay to LA. Like right when you get your drink, you know, it's time to, it's time to descend. Into, it's into shorter. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it's just very, it, like it really knows uh, what to do in the beats that it has because it doesn't extend things out for too long. It doesn't really, um, you know, make you feel uh, like it drags anywhere. And what I really dug about it is that there's like really cool like animation sequences, yes. like 2D and 3D, as well as like um, just like the way they actually mix them in certain sequences together as well. Really fun, really stylish. A lot of like cool, fun inside jokes, like you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. A lot of like talk about foxes and uh, wolves, like what Terrence mentioned. Um, so really like in the know on the nose for some uh, adult watchers, but I, I just dug that, you know, it's a quick movie that had Sam Rockwell animated Sam Rockwell doing dancing. 
that he that you've seen him do in, <laughs> yeah. in live action movies. Uh, that's true. Yep. <laughs> like that's the dance sequence that he does in Iron Man Two. So I will I won't lie. Part of my appeal of seeing the bad guys like Sam Rockwell doing animated stuff. I want to see how they make him dance in this movie. <laughs> and they did it. They did a bang yeah, they, up job. They, they, they did. It. It, yeah. yeah. Was what have it? you seen? Oh yeah, I said that's it. Yeah. Right. What have you seen, Aaron? I've seen a few things. Uh, Kino. Um, the uh, studio label that puts out a lot of mm-hmm. Blu-rays and DVDs. Um, they've been um, really grabbing the ball lately and putting out a lot of awesome 4Ks. Um, and so I've been watching a few of those. I watched Eastern Promises, uh, David Cronenberg's oh, film with Viggo yeah. Mortensen. Um, that's one of my favorite movies. I think it's absolutely terrific, um, mm-hmm. especially as far as like crime gangster type movies go. It has such an interesting way of handling that territory. And it looks fantastic in 4K. I was very happy with that. <laughs> Um, I also watched In the Heat of the Night in its new 4K release, a movie that I also very much enjoy uh, with Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger. Um, it's a fantastic film. And again, I mean, 1967 looks incredible wow. <laughs> on this UHD. I was so happy uh, to see like it looking as good as it does. Um, and the cool thing, I haven't watched these yet, but this this uh, 4K includes the two sequels that also star Sidney Poitier. So I'm very much looking forward to finally seeing the In the Heat and the Night trilogy that exists because Sidney Poitier, people don't seem to, a lot of people don't remember, he was a fucking blockbuster movie star. It's not like he was just a respected actor. He was just yeah. knocking out movies back in the day. <laughs> like, he was <laughs> he was all over the place. <laughs> like, totally. So yeah. Uh, also watch one new movie. It's called Boiling Point. Uh, the stars Stephen Graham. Uh, it was nominated for a few BAFTAs. It's about a, a one night at a London restaurant, and it's all shot in one long, continuous take mm. uh, with no mm. cheats, an actual long, continuous take. Wow. Um, they did it like four times. They used the third version that they shot. Um, it's uh, It just follows the – Stephen Graham plays like a chef. It follows him and the other kitchen staff as they kind of navigate themselves through a night. What I like about it is it's called Boiling Point for a reason. You're kind of watching different stresses take hold of these different characters because they're, you know, trying to make meals and there's various bits of drama that are taking place. And it's because it's a restaurant, it's neat to see things like someone make an order and then you follow different people throughout the restaurant as the camera kind of wobbles around and you make your way back like 10 minutes later and the meal's prepared. And so you're like watching the different like stages of things happen. Um, it's a it's a solid drama. I don't think the end is quite great, but for a 90 minute movie, <laughs> you know 90 of those 92 minutes i think are pretty solid uh so i i have no, yeah. no reason not recommending this just because for one thing it's just a really uh, fascinating uh, piece of filmmaking um, but also it's just worthwhile as far as seeing this kind of story being told this way it's on hoopla right now by the way for anyone that has hoopla that's the very nice uh library card driven streaming service so you can watch that for free if you have a library mm-hmm. card cool um, so yeah boiling point good movie all right <laughs> that was a quickies trade right Let's move on now. Let's get to our first of two reviews for The Northman. Father is here. The king, my lady. The king. Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How oh, I've missed you, my son. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, father. My king. <laughs>
that should have been some of the trailer for The Northman. Robert Eggers has made a name for himself by directing films that have heavily relied on a period setting and a specific level of authenticity. These A24 films, The Witch and The Lighthouse, have received their share of praise as far as a small-scale film from original voices go. Uh, the Northman is a $70 million Viking epic, plus another 20 due to things like COVID adding more to production costs. The story adapts the tale of Prince Amleth, the inspiration for Hamlet. After witnessing his father's murder by his uncle as a young boy, Amleth vows revenge once he's old enough to take it. Alexander Skarsgård stars in this film with an ensemble cast that also includes Nicole Kidman, Anna Taylor-Joy, Klaus Bang, Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, and Bjork. Terrence, what did you think of this costly Eggers effort? <laughs> um, I remember going into it being like, they gave this man how much money Somewhere. to make yeah. <laughs> a Viking movie? And I left being like, it was worth every penny. <laughs> like, he did not shortchange that movie at all. It's it's really good. It is a complete picture, um, as one would say. Uh, I I like Robert Eric. I didn't, I didn't, The Lighthouse is fine. Love the witch. But like after after that, I was kind of like, okay, what what are what are we gonna do, <laughs> Mr. Director? How are we going to, you know, get back to that level of filmmaking? And it is really, really good. I thought the performances were very strong. I thought the cinematography was great. And in particular, I think this movie has some of the best sound design I've heard in a while. Mm. Everybody who I've talked to, I've recommended seeing it. Whatever the best movie theater you can get to, to see something like this, um, I would see it in that format. Cause like we, we saw it in a, a Dolby screening room. Mm -hmm. So at most, but in like a tiny room, I was like, how is this gonna work? Um, they they packed yeah, that rule of sound, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it sure was. Uh, but yeah, no, I loved it. I My only critique is the third act. Um, and I think, Aaron, you put it in, as I was trying to articulate why, you put it in a great way when we were talking about it after the movie that due to the single-minded nature sort of of the journey, the second you deviate from that, even a little bit, it, it feels like you've stopped the movie. And, and, and it did struggle to sort of regain all of the momentum that it had. But I, you know, I still enjoyed where it went. I still think it was a great movie. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is, you know, I've known of him for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think he uses physicality in really interesting ways in all of his roles. And, and in this one in particular, it's like, you know, just... Like he's hunched over, but he's like 700 feet taller than everybody else <laughs> in his cast. And so like, but, and it's just like, he's hunching from his shoulders. So he looks even more massive, even as he's trying to downplay and just like the different things he would do with his body or his face um, during the movie really, really, you know, made for a good performance. So I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm still amused that they staged Ethan Hawke to appear as tall if not taller than Nicole Kidman that's just very funny to me <laughs> but uh Abe, he was wearing about... heels <laughs> what, what, what this is a Tom Cruise situation <laughs> um I I really enjoyed the Northman as well I think that there was a lot of technical things that I I dug about this movie a, a ton um so the technical things like immediate impact felt it right away I think from like a, a storyline and plot standpoint this happened to me with a lot of Robert Eggers movies, or I guess the only other two Robert Eggers movies. It takes me like a while to ingest them. 
and I've only seen this for, I've seen it for like, you know, it's been like three days since I've seen this. So I'm still ingesting it. Like I still will think about the, the Vivich sometimes and think like, oh, that was actually a really good play on like, you know, the father daughter relationship or the, the tension between that. Um, and like, you know, uh, Puritan pride or whatever the case is like years later. Right. So I, and that's a credit to Robert Eggers for being just so um, detailed in his research for his movies and how he wants it to be so correct and perfect. Um, but as far as like the Northman goes, like there's a lot to really dig about what's happening here, the storyline, uh, the acting, sort of like the themes of this, which Eggers seems to delve into a lot, which is a lot of like religious uh religious uh, religiosity themes but then also like he also has like um uh like a um maybe this is what you're mentioning like the uh uh pov type thing so it's like from this person's point of view like from this narrator's point of view this is sort of what's happening and i think that was really fascinating when you take that apart and you dig into it a little bit further um, of just Amleth's point of view, especially like with what happens later in the third act and sort of like the discussions and thoughts that he does have later. But on the whole, like I thought that this was a really, really like strong contender for like Terrence, I think you said it best, like the most complete movie, I would say, um, where it just feels as though it's like, oh, I'm on this incredible journey and I'm going to go through a whole lot. Consequences, which may or may not be in my favor, uh, both philosophically and also like physically. Uh, but I think that there's just a lot to really take apart from this. And this would be like a really neat double feature with like, if you played the last of us too, um, and then you, uh, and then you like, when you're like, let me just put this really, uh, en engaging and taxing game away and go watch the Northmen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. What about you, Aaron? As far as double features go, obviously this goes well with The Lion King since it hits so many beats um, from the same movie. Oh my god! Um, it, <laughs> it, it. I could not believe I saw that. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the Timon and Pumbaa elements a little more questionable. They're not so fun, yeah. funny, but I mean, aside from that aspect, it's you know beat for beat, pretty similar. I mm -hmm. really like The Northman as well. Jokes aside, I think the movie is a solid accomplishment from Eggers as far as making something that kind of jives with both his you know, offbeat sensibilities, mm -hmm. whether you think of that from the witch's standpoint or the lighthouse, uh, one of which is much funnier than the other, uh, along with being still a Main Street effort that I would not be surprised to see more people flock to compared to something like The Green Knight, something a movie that I, Abe and I both really enjoyed and embraced and still think about, but obviously one that's not like a mainstream film necessarily. This, while having its sense of weirdness involved, still pretty, it's a more straightforward film than either of Edgar's previous features, let alone you know, things that are more art house fair. It's a big Viking revenge epic that has, you know, more obvious themes and more, you know, easily digestible pieces of information. But that's just a plot standpoint. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just like, it's a more straightforward film. The, you know, the thing that I look forward to with Eggers is what he does with the level of detail. And by having, as you've mentioned, Terrence, that big budget that he absolutely puts on screen, you can see what his interests are in. You can see that he really likes exploring this lore, even through this, you know, fairly familiar plot. And obviously familiar, it's the inspiration for Hamlet. I mean, it's a revenge story. <laughs> it's not, a, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. breaking new ground in that regard. But as far as showing us what Viking civilization was life was like, I enjoyed seeing what he did with that. I enjoyed both his kind of sense of minimalism at the same time having a level of depth as far as seeing these different characters, seeing what they're all about. 
and having actors that even with minimal dialogue make the most with what they have to do on screen here it's mm -hmm. nice to have a cast like this because if you don't have if you have having established stars means you i've argued this before you don't really have to do as much to get you an idea of who these characters are because you kind of get a mm -hmm. certain kind of sense of who these people are just by having Kidman or Hawk that don't need to do a lot to establish what kind of people they're playing. Uh, all that stuff really worked well for me. I agree with you about Skarsgård as far as his physicality goes, because I like that it's, you know, it's one thing to be a big guy that just plays big guys. This is not just Skarsgård like being Tarzan again. There's like deliberate choices he's making as far as mm -hmm. how he uses his very massive body in this movie it's, oh god i blocked i blocked that completely out of my mind that he played tarzan it's ridiculous how jacked he is in this movie because he's more jacked than tarzan which is saying yeah. something but i li like the comparison i have it's such an obscure one but i always like bringing it up because it just hit me so hard jason statham is an action star that i enjoy when he plays the transporter he plays it a very certain way he plays a straight like, like a straight laced guy wears a suit Prayer professional in crank as chev chelios one of the best movie names of all time he play he plays <laughs> he plays it similar to what scars is doing here he hunches his shoulders forward and yeah. he acts like a rocket when he walks to something it's such a it's a very distinct difference that i've always noticed with statham which is i agree as far as physical physicality goes he does that really well this is similar to that where i think scars he's very much doing something so similar as far as hunching himself down to put himself in a certain kind of position where he has this revenge thing going on at the same time he also has to like play in disguise as a slave mm -hmm. for a while and i i find that mm -hmm. to be pretty fascinating because i think Skarsgård, like i like him in movies but he's never stood out to me as like a, this is a movie star that we need to see here's a movie where i think it really gives him the reins to do something that's i think far more interesting than a lot of his movie things his tv stuff i think is interesting but like his mm -hmm. movie roles even you know my beloved godzilla versus kong it's not like he's the standout element of any of these things. Uh, with, with, with this movie, I think he's he's he feels like the lead of a movie like this, and I really sure. mm -hmm. at the same time you have a terrific bench of cast members here as well. Kidman gets like one really great scene to get get you with like under make you understand what she's all about. Right, Eric has already worked with Taylor Joy before, so like she's doing what she needs to do here. Class Bang, I think, really works. Uh, I've liked him since I first noticed him in The Square, a film that I really enjoy um, from the director of Force Majeure. Um, and it's neat to see him pop up in things, but it's nice to see him when he's in you know good roles and not generic villain character. Here mm -hmm. he's like Dracula, like Dracula, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but here I, I like what he's doing here. Um, but yeah, the, just solid cast. Scarsgard's great. The production design of this is just wonderful. The cinematography is really interesting here, the way it uses nighttime and day and showing us this like muck of a, of a, of a period and <laughs> these battles they get into and i mean we'll talk more about this other stuff but like the fights and things are great they're cool i, I i'm sitting mm -hmm. there laughing my ass off because of how like brutal and crazy it is <laughs> like there's there's a lot i was to like wow laughing <laughs> i mean there's like because of the way the shots are designed yeah. where you see like people get disemboweled or somebody take a big axe at the face it's like yeah, yeah. all right this is great it's like, yeah right <laughs> Yeah, and you know, speaking of like the the performances again, again, Skarsgård in these battle scenes, like he opens up with a, a pretty intense battle scene, and the point where he's like one on one with like one of the other guys is kind of off camera. Like they show his they show his his like beast form, like going full craziness, like a little bit off camera two times. Mm -hmm. That first time, I was just like, I, I said out loud, "God damn!" <laughs> <laughs> like he does something to one of these uh these like um conquered folks that he's fighting against and i was like whoa like this is this is an intense movie here so um but you know speaking about the the 
physicality of it. I, I definitely did agree with you guys. Like there's like, a really cool thing that they do, which is like, Hey man, he's a leading guy and he's like really buff and he's handsome, but also we, we're going to put him in a shirt for like 90% of the movie because uh, <laughs> he's not that guy. Like this is not that movie. Um, like we want him to establish some things with the audience. And then later he's just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, he, he's still a really buff guy. Yeah, the 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 work is done to get you like to understand like this yeah. this presence that he is and like right. his journey that he's on and it's to get to Terrence to get actually to get to your point about like you know diverting from that path the thing that like stops this from being greater in my mind and I really like it it's one of my favorites mm-hmm. of the year so far it's that it 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 feels like it could either be a shorter film or a longer film mm-hmm. um, I don't think the length here is necessarily an issue not a major right. one at least but there is a I feel like there's either a version of this that's either more streamlined and just keeps you on that revenge path and makes it pretty straightforward while still layering in little details or Edgar's like, and this might be a studio thing or cut, cut it down. It just goes bigger. It becomes more of an epic. You know, it, it delves yeah. more into some of these characters and some of the, you know, the mysticism going on or what have you. It gives even more of a, uh, an idea of what this culture is like and what they're all about. Yeah. Um, Cause I, 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 you know, like we mentioned it it does divert and i think the thing it's just it's the how sure of 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 how and i was like oh okay so how are we gonna get logically how are we gonna get back and he was like magic (laughs) (laughs) and i was like okay you know you've established this this world that, that that is potential but it just you know it was like five ten minutes Mm-hmm. away from what your single-minded character has been going towards and yeah. it makes sense narratively so I'm not saying that it just it did take a little bit of power out of it because it it, it like you said it, it just it's the one sort of deviation from like the streamline thing that he had going on mm-hmm. um you know yeah, what's, the- what's fascinating about it too is that uh Eggers has been on record by saying like he didn't have i don't edit over this movie which i think aaron to, i think to your point it's like i i wouldn't be surprised if there was like a longer cut and i'd be fascinated by that longer cut of this movie too mm-hmm. um and again this is like a project that is like a major studio is just like here's some money go make some movies for us um because people are really digging like all this stuff right now so i wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if it was just like i really want to explore the mythology of like Nordic uh, Nordic gods and whatever else. Um, but then they also wanted more fight scenes. And again, he's been a little bit uneasy by saying like, I, I, I don't know if I liked it or not because I didn't have final edit, which he had in his previous two movies, but they were much smaller, right? Oh, that's I'm, interesting. I'm sure he's still proud of the film, but, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. but, but I, know, I know what you're saying though, because I agree with the thought of like, there's, like you mentioned, like the mention of like magic or you know mystical elements or you know belief in the, mm-hmm. the the Norse gods or what have you, those things are layered in throughout the film to a degree, and it's not like I'm expecting a full like you know swords and sorcery epic necessarily, sure. but I do wonder if you hashed out some of these more if that would make some of these aspects of trying to be vague here, mm-hmm. you know, function more properly within the film. So it's not it does, like it never it never feels random. But at the same time, it's like if there was a more of a commonplace use of some of this stuff, perhaps that'd like give me more. Like there's a whole sequence, yeah. early, whole sequence early on where he gets a sword and it's basically like a Zelda dungeon level. And it's really cool. <laughs> but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that'd be neat to see more of that kind of thing. But we 
don't necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I, it it kind of comes and goes too. And sorry, uh, Terrence, go ahead. Yeah. That was, that's what I was going to say is that I, I felt that it was, it was there when it was necessary and mm-hmm. just like that, that, that scene of him getting the sword is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that the sort of mysticism is, is, is throughout the story. Um, it just, it's like w- when it pops up in the story, what does it do for us? And it's like, sure. At every, at every point with the exception of one, it's like, not only does it help the main character, but it helps the story. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was like, okay, well, I need it to help the character, and it doesn't necessarily help the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's what the difference is. And I can certainly feel that too, because again, like the, the examples I'm thinking about are, are things like an artifact um, that is given to him early on, and then also when he's speaking to like a, a witch. Uh, at a village that he is like decimated it's like this is these are really fun they're really cool and they kind of really help me get into the vibe of the movie but then at other points too it's just like let's just work the farm fields like okay it also it you know it this leads me to thinking something interesting as far as because i've already established this is a pretty straightforward story and we know our hero we know Mm -hmm. our villain but then you wonder it's like well the the magical elements what have you they seem to focus on our hero and serve the character like you just said Terrence what is that what is that trying to say that like it's always been you know it's always would be that he'd be the one that's gifted in certain ways where everybody else doesn't count like I I wonder if a deeper you know a film that probes deeper into this has answers to those kind of questions as far as like why is only Alexander Skarsgård getting cool stuff why why isn't anybody (laughs) else it's just because He's quote unquote better, even though we see him do questionable things a little in the middle of this movie, or you know, towards the beginning of the movie. It's it's stuff like that where it's like I feel like there's areas you can flesh this out, but as it stands, mm-hmm. it's like it's still I'm still again. I think we all like this movie a lot. Like it's not like it's, yeah, it's yeah. detrimental, but at the same time, totally. Like, there's there's room for improvements that I feel yeah, like yeah. There's just like room for exploration, and you know, to your point about what uh, what he's going through and how it affects him. All very true, but there's also like really interesting questions that Eggers. I, I presume that Eggers wrote this. I don't think the other person. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sean, John, Sjorn, Sjorn. They wrote. They wrote. They were. It was a collaborative. I, I was totally yeah. podcast. I'm talking about this. It was a pretty collaborative. Yeah, process. it was a collaborative process, and like, uh, but I, you know, there's like really interesting things that he's talking about, like with the old world and the new world kind of things. Like, hey, by the way, like these people believe in like this guy that died on a cross, um, like this corpse on a cross, and then like there's also like what we're discussing here you know uh alexander skarsgård's character is like talking to like witches and getting like swords out of like you know the the dark earth kind of thing so there's like there's a lot of really cool ideas here that i think for the purposes of like what happens in the third act kind of like go away and it kind of turns into like a more traditional like revenge-ish story but i i dug all those elements because robert eggers is a weird fucking guy yeah he's got a way of he's in the he's in the contingent of directors that i need to spend one night in a a psychiatric hold (laughs) (laughs) some some, something like like james wan oh needs to spend two days there Uh for just having the mind to come up with malignant robert (laughs) eggers probably could do to spend one day there just because of the movies that he's made That'd be hilarious. I, I, that'd be great. Terrence, I think we should we should try and get a, a crowdfunding service going here. <laughs> um, but the other thing I, I also really dug about this movie um, is that it really has a 
a Robert Eggers feel to it. Like, yes, we're aware of like this Hamlet type story and we're aware of uh, even Lion King. Yes. Uh, now that, now that you mentioned it, Aaron, it's like, now it's the only thing that I'm thinking about. <laughs> um, so thanks a lot. Just think, thinking uh, about, about the final battle even. Yeah. <laughs> great. Okay. At least nobody got coals raked in their eyes. Um, but I, I think that there's still a lot of like really like Robert Eggers things about it. And that's more of like, the way that it's written, like the the what they are saying, like I think this is like a very verbose movie compared to like the Lighthouse or the Vivich. Um, but I I really still dig his idiosyncrasies that make him who he is, and I I love I think that Terrence you you retweeted this as well, but or maybe you wrote it, but um, there's also like another article that I was reading, it's like he doesn't want to do modern movies, like he he's on record yeah. just saying like I don't really care for like the modern world. And so, like, all, a lot of my detail and research is, like, in these older worlds, which I, I have to, like, tip my hat to, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to give me all this money, but, hey, I'm still going to put my imprint on it. Like, I don't want to just make a Viking story like you've seen with Thor or, or you know, Vikings on, on History Channel or whatever the case is, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to make it so that it's it's pretty true to the lore. I'm going to get a co-writer that is, like, of, uh, of uh, a Nordic descent. Yeah, Scandinavian descent. Um, and you know what? We're going to go for it. I'm going to research these languages and do all this other stuff, which is quite fascinating. Shifting gears a bit, what did you guys think of the, we talked about a little bit of the, the brutality and the action in this film. Loved it. Give me, <laughs> give me more. Like, Yeah, I thought it was appropriately brutal. Mm-hmm. I, I, what I liked is that it didn't, there's, you know how we always go back and forth with these conversations about what you need to do to make a character likable? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like what 25 ish minutes he proceeds in a he helps with the raid and they throw all the male kids in a barn and they burn it down yeah <laughs> that's when i started liking <laughs> like, the movie yeah you know it's like they're not I, I like that he was like this is a terrible person yeah but you know who's worse these other people <laughs> and that, so you yeah that's you know, an excellent it, point not shying away from that i think is really important to not just the character but to the to the movie as a whole um and it it makes it's richer for that i think that's an excellent point and that's something that um i really dug about him too it's just like well he's not like he's not like the the raider that is like oh i'll just hang in the back i'm really tough but i'll just hang in the back i'll let everybody i i will only kill like the kings that are like that are uh you know um, uh, enslaving these people it's like no man he's killing like anybody that gets in his way for his conquest when he's like in wolf form or bear form um mm-hmm. and then also like at one point he will say to to Anya it's like hey man I don't kill women just for like the sake of killing women um but that doesn't mean that he he won't right and we've seen this brutality from him which I appreciate because again I think that when you have um it, it almost feels like it's like single-edged like a, a single-edged character like well you know he's just like he's like a fucking animal it's like no when you think about it more it's just like there's a lot of um that you can you or you're allowing this character to really sway like into the grays more which i really dug i mean this has been compared to like gladiator too uh and gladiator is like upon rewatch like i i dig maximus but at the same time like they made maximus like well you know He's the general of the armies of the north, but you know, he it's, had to kill people because he had to kill people. It's like, 
dude, you like killed villages in the name of this king. You know what I mean? Like there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing like uh, absurd about saying that. So seeing it on screen for Alexander um, and Amalith just being like a crazy wild man killing these people for the sake of like his um, his uh, Nordic are they Nordic? Where what's the other one? He's the Northman. So yeah, the North. Okay, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Like, <laughs> his Nordic <laughs> tribe. It's like I, I dig it. Like it actually, like what you said, uh, Terrence, it adds more layers. It, there's a complexity to all the characters to yeah. varying degrees that I appreciate. As far as like, like once he finally meets up with his uncle again, things are different um, yeah. than when they when he when he last saw them. Uh, Kidman's character has some complications as far as being the queen and right. what status she's in when he finds her again. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there there's stuff there that I appreciate as far as the movie trying to make it not as simple as just this guy hates this guy and wants to kill him. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff, you know, it delves into that, which I enjoyed as far as the brutality goes. I mean, yes, I, as I said, I was laughing and cackling because there's some <laughs> cool stuff going on. Uh, there's, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a final duel in this movie because that's the mm-hmm. nature of this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I appreciated what it did. I thought it was well shot. I liked how it looked. Rob Roy still tends to be the film champion as far as final sword fights go, but Ooh. this is a pretty damn good one. I mean, this is a, this a, this gets the job done as far as epic locations that they could do this at, um, the state of these characters as they're fighting, mm-hmm. and um, the final resolution of said things. It's like, yeah, all right, that's a, that's a pretty solid ending. Yeah. At first, I thought it was just gonna be like a full on just bloodbath for the entire like you know two hour runtime. And I was like, oh, cool, yeah. I mean, I guess they wouldn't be able to do that. That'd be crazy of him just, like, going on, like, a full-on rampage of, of uh, revenge. And the better for them to say, like, we're going to ease into some of these things uh, and then get off the break or get off the gas a little bit so you can understand who these people are. But, again, that's where all the nuance comes in and the layering comes in of, is revenge even worth it? Like, you know what I mean? And that's what I love about, like, this. At first, it's a singular vision like you're 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 with uh al amalith's character's point of view and then later like you know again as more for, he's an adult so he gets more information as he get his goes along and and that's where i found it very fascinating of just like oh cool it's like a sarah Polly stories we tell type situation of just like <laughs> you know what was the truth when you were a kid versus like an adult you know what i mean like you think of these things as true when you were 12 uh, but are they still true now that you're like, you know, a grown man that is um, sort of like what lusted for like this revenge? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's that? What a reference you made. What a reference. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Just coming out with a new movie. I, I will say, I can agree that, yeah, it does let the gas off a little bit as far as the directness of the revenge plotting. But at the same time, it's still a pretty action-packed movie. Like, you, yeah. you don't go too long without some kind of bloodshed taking place in this film. Which yeah. for the length of it, I was impressed by. Um, uh, you know, it's not a go. For, it's not the. It's not Mad Max. It's not go for broke action every second. But you know, there's, there's quite a bit of brutality right. in this movie yeah. that I enjoyed. I mean, yeah. If you've read Hamlet, you know, a lot of people meet their end. <laughs> uh, and and this as the inspiration for that uh, is equally as brutal yeah, if, yeah. You saw, if you saw the live action lion king a lot of audiences met their end too during that movie so oh <laughs> yes I'm, i did meet my end um, um great so score that. by the way <laughs> i was gonna ask about that i've been seeing a lot of things about the score and and quite honestly I'm like i might have to watch it again because i wasn't fully paying attention to it but i've heard that it's great 
it's not one that I immediately like went to like I need to download this, but it, uh-huh. but in the moments I was very enjo- I was very much enjoying the mood that it was setting. I think mm-hmm. was used well to emphasize certain aspects of you know depending on where we are on the story. Yeah. Um. You know, it. I thought I thought it did the job. I thought it was it was it was good music to to okay. hear during this Northman's journey. Yeah. Um. A lot of Robert Eggers' uh, trademarks like farting. Um. <laughs> you know. Uh, as well as like dancing around fires. Um, and I, I will I will be honest, like as I was watching this movie, like when Ethan Hawk is is telling his son to go uh, with him to go on this like journey to become a man, I was like, Ethan Hawk probably fucking loved doing this scene because you know he, he's like a true artist kind of thing. Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, I, I bet you he was like, yeah, I'm really gonna embody like this king, and I'm gonna try and like teach my son how to become a real man. So I am gonna go and pretend to be a wolf for like a few days, and when we shoot it, I'm gonna be super feral and smelly, and I'm really gonna drink like this like you know beet beet juice thing that we have in front of us. I'm like he probably ate that up. Like I and I'm glad because you know Ethan Hawke, uh, one of our one of our finest actors. You know, also seemed to be having a good time in this movie for the brief time he was in it. Who? Willem Dafoe. I mean, <laughs> he seemed like he seemed like he got a call from Eggers. He's like, "Hey, you want to like be the court jester for a couple of scenes?" Like, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> yeah, you want to say some really rude things to to Nicole Kidman and then be in your underwear? It's like, "You, I'm, give me a plane ticket." <laughs> I'm on a break from Aquaman too. I could come and make this movie. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, he does have long hair in this movie. <laughs> But yeah, it seems as though everyone has their their uh, moments, and you guys mentioned Nicole Kidman already, so uh, good job on her. I haven't really heard of of uh, Planes, Planes uh, Bang, Bang. Class Bang. Bang, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like, wow, this guy's really buff. <laughs> He's uh, what I find most fascinating about is like Hollywood. Like we see a foreign foreign to us, not foreign into the world, but mm-hmm. like actor. And then they become the villain in everything. Yeah, he was in that the latest uh, girl in the uh, spider's web. Who's in that? He was like the bad guy in that one. Yeah, and so at least, yeah, at least here, he gets to do interesting things. Mm -hmm. He gets an interesting story. Like he, like he was Netflix's Dracula, and that'll be (laughs) the last time I mention it because I don't, I don't want you to think that this is an endorsement to watch it. Yeah, mention it twice. I'm curious now. No, don't. this is me literally don't do it (laughs) um but yeah i i liked you know him in the in the king claudius part um i liked how they recontextualize it where it's like he goes and he's just he's just different than who you met the first time yeah Mm -hmm. and that was really really smart yeah uh to do and a really really interesting thing to see him play I don't know the actor offhand, but one of the uh, the older actor that plays his his son, um, one of his sons, um, mm-hmm. good jerk dick actor. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh so hard when he punches Alexander Skarsgård. He's like, "Don't look at me in the eye." Like, and he did not move. Yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah, and he's like, "Don't look at me in the eye." <laughs> and I know I've seen I've seen it. I don't know his name offhand. I know I've seen him in other things too. Like he's not mm-hmm. new, but like you know when you call on an actor to play like you know, an asshole that's like a spoiled yeah. brat kind of kid. His name it's is like, yeah. Gustav Lind. Okay. They they crushed it. <laughs> like, that's just, it's, yeah. it's exactly like, because you can't say it's like, what a likable, but it's like, the, the what they're going for, they nailed it. Like, that, that really yeah. worked for me. He was, uh, he was quite the, uh, 
quite the um, the jerk son. Uh, so yeah. Um, no. So as, as far so, well, let's see, Terrence. Let me ask you this: Do you think mm-hmm. this is what, what is Edgar's best film? Is it the is it the Witch Warriors or this movie? Oh gosh, I think it's still the the Witch, um, by a little bit. I think I just think that that movie is is tighter and the shock I, I could still remember seeing that movie and like the full body like clinch that I did <laughs> at at <laughs> at a point near the end um or like five minutes in when a witch steals a baby and smashes it into bits and covers herself in blood and then and then people outside the People, you know, on Twitter, are like that's not a horror movie. You're like, what movie did you watch? <laughs> yeah, no, that that I, I thought was pretty far for the course. It was the it was the shock of what happened near the end that really like hemmed me up. But yeah, I but I mean, this is this is like I've I've seen a lot of conversation on Twitter being like, why would Focus give him so much money? How could they give? So he can make this movie. Yeah. It's right. Like, it's not, That's it's, why. He's not the marketing department. It's like, it's not. Yeah. yeah. He did, and he even did then, like, like, keep 70 million in his pocket. Yeah. If it's, if it does not make its budget back, okay. That, that still means you have a great movie on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> What's weird is like, did you guys have anybody leave your theater? By the way, Aaron, I think the answer to my, to your question is, is the Vivich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vivich. Um, but did anybody leave your theater? Uh, no, after it, after a screening of this or like mid screening? No, because it's a press screening, so people okay. don't really yeah. leave for the people, people know the press know what they're getting into generally yeah. when they're watching these movies. It's weird yeah. because like they go to like the first raid and you know Terrence mentions like this awful scene where you know they're like, hey, all the sun airs go into this little barn here, and then like a couple walked out and I was like, I don't know if you guys were expecting a different movie or if you guys were incensed by something. Maybe you said we're in the wrong movie theater. I don't know. I mean, but, uh, if you tell me like Viking epic, I don't, I don't naturally assume probably a bunch of kids are going to get burned in a house at one point. So, I mean, I, I could, if you know, I could, totally, yeah. and, <laughs> I, could, I could see someone being uneasy by that, depending on. Totally, yeah, that was a tough. Is. Right. That was a tough. That was a tough moment. But <laughs> I, I wonder if it's like you know that marketing thing of, of uh, hey, um, it's not just like a full blown John Wick where he just goes on a revenge mission for the entire movie and it's mm-hmm. fun and he's hunky. It's actually, again, a fairly deep movie about revenge and how it consumes you and the consequences of it. So, you know, there's there's other things that are at play here. And maybe people were just like, well, you know, the kids are one thing, but also yeah, yeah, but, more I shirtless scars guard. But I mean, you're not asking, did they walk out during like scenes of in, of introspection and, and mysticism? Yeah. <laughs> they, they walked out during the scene of kids getting burned. Yeah, in a yeah. House. I mean, it's a little. I I I get where that would come yeah. from. With that, totally. Even, yeah, even but I mean, a, you know, with a certain level of knowledge of the movie you're going in. Sure, sure. But anyway, that Corey kind of just like curious about like that marketing thing of just sure. It's a it's a heavy action movie. It's like mm-hmm. if you've seen Robert, Robert Eggers movies, you know that you're in for for some of the stuff. So here's, yeah. here's another question. Yes. Um, well, I, Aaron, question. Uh, answer your own question. What's your favorite uh, Eggers movie? I would probably say The Witch, just because I'll end up watching that the most of these three. But I, I, I would rate these all the same. Like I, oh. I, I like all of his movies quite a bit. I really like The Lighthouse as well, mainly because of all the parts and the hilarity. Uh, but <laughs> the dialogue in there is impeccable. I love it. I, I really like those two performances a lot, yeah. and the general vibe of it. I like them. All, you know, I like. They're the same director. I have different reasons for liking, but I think The Witch probably is the one that has the most lasting power for me. Mm-hmm. But to go from there, though, 
The Witch and Lighthouse are obviously more less expensive films than the than the Northman. Would you want to see Eggers continue down this path of having increased budgets, not necessarily you know blockbuster budgets, but something in this realm, or do you want to see him be able to manage something of more scale, of less scale? I want my wish for every director is to get the budget that they need to make the movie, how it needs to be made. <laughs> like with this one in particular, like I remember talking to you after being like, they shot on a glacier. Yeah. I do not even want to think about the production insurance and the process to be able to shoot on a glacier. <laughs> like, but it was such a mind-blowing shot. And, you know, it added to the thing to this. So yeah, I, I hope that he, I mean, I think he probably is gonna have to, I don't know if he's gonna get 70 to 90 million dollars for a while if this doesn't make its budget back but he has the skill to direct something at way less. Um, and actors clearly like working with him. Actors like know? working with him. And if he got his film in, you know, regardless if he had final edit or not, if he, you know, got his film in on the, yeah, you know, without making a fuss about, you know, anything or what have you, you know, stu- studios like that more, you know, to, yeah. more than, and he's white. So that helps him automatically. So I mean, <laughs> well, <that's- yes. laughs> what are you saying? Hollywood has a problem. Hey, how about you? Would you would you want to see him making? I, I would love to see Robert Eggers make the movie that he wants with the budget that uh, he would like. So basically, the same thing in what Terrence said. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's a good way to go. I, I, you know, a lot of talks gone around about you know his proposed uh, Nosferatu remake, uh, which at this point just seems less and less likely to happen. At least next. You know, maybe down the line he can make the movie that he wants to make with whatever that's supposed to be. But mm-hmm. I will be curious what that next step is. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's something a little more modestly scaled compared to the Northman. But I also won't be surprised if he has, you know, if it's more than $20 million and he gets to make the movie he wants to make at a, you know, the reasonable budget that he seems to operate well with, whatever, you know, whatever he's doing. Mm-hmm. Is, the, is the Nosferatu thing because... Jared Leto has killed the vampire genre, or <laughs> it was it? We're talking about like the remake of the the of the of the Lang film, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm, um, the, sorry, the Murnau Lang, the Murnau film. Sorry. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Sorry. I mean, that would that would be fun to see. I'm sure he could do something really interesting with that. Um, I'm curious what he has in mind. I mean, as far as yeah, the level of authenticity mixed with you know Transylvania and vampires. So basically, <laughs> it's on hold at the moment, right? It appears to be. Like, I know Interesting. Harry Styles was going to be in it, and he had to drop out. He mm-hmm. and Anya Taylor-Joy was going to be who? He, not, not Nosferatu. He was going to be one of the <laughs> oh, characters. Jesus. <laughs> he does have, like, you know, the ears for it, Terrence. Um, <laughs> we know he and Anya Taylor-Joy, they are both, like, they want to make this movie. They're tight, yeah. Uh, wh- whether or not it, you know, however, it wa- however he wanted it to happen next, that's not going to happen. That version of it's not going to happen. So, like, whatever comes along, we'll see what happens from there. Was she going to play Nosferatu? Because that would be fun. <laughs> no, see, you, you, you say that, you say that, and I think, well, that's the, actually, that's, the, you know, there's been two Nosferatu movies. I mean, and they're mm-hmm. both excellent. The Werner Herzog one's fantastic. Uh, I That'd be an interesting way to go. Like, that's something different, at least, right? That's Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm sure you could also find some other amazing actor to play us for you know whatever but like that's that's at least like oh that's a, that is a different path to take as far as mm-hmm. making Nosferatu and showing you something different with it but yeah. we'll see see what happens 
All right. Uh, when should people see The Northman? It's currently playing in theaters everywhere. Terrence? Go see it now. In theaters. In the best theater that is reasonably priced <laughs> that is near you. Abe? I'd say theaters as well. Yeah, this theater movie. I agree. I think this movie is definitely worthwhile to see. I think we've explained our reasons as to why. And yeah, if you can see it in a fancy theater with great sound, that's a good way to go. All right. We've talked about the Northman. Now let's move on to the Cageman. We're going to do our review for the unbearable weight of massive talent. We got another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Javi. Mr. Cage. Excuse me. Is Javi going to want me to, uh, you know? I'm not sure I understand. Look, it's Javi. I am Javi. Nick Cage. God, this place is stunning. What is your favorite movie? That's one of those questions that's impossible to answer. You can't just limit it to one. Imagine me and you. I do. Is it too much? Okay. Is this supposed to be me? It's grotesque. I'll give you 20000 for it. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Nicolas Cage has had an interesting career revival of sorts. He's never stopped working based on his need to both keep his finances in order and because he treats acting like a regular job that he really doesn't—he really does care about. With that said, recent years have offered several strong Cage performances, including Mandy, Color Out of Space, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and the highly acclaimed Pig, which he frankly should have gotten a nomination for. The unbearable weight of massive talent finds Cage playing a fictionalized version of himself made by a director that clearly worships Cage and the actor and the movie star. Uh, the plot involves Cage taking a million-dollar paycheck to hang out with an eccentric billionaire who may also be an infamous arm dealer. This is Javi, played by Pedro Pascal. While Cage actually finds himself bonding with Javi, he's also tasked to spy on him. Age, 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 age. Oh, please, yeah. Abe, what's your level of Cage <laughs> fandom, and what do you think of this film? I, I enjoy Nicolas Cage quite a bit. I mean, sure, we've seen all the YouTube clips of him, you know, with the bees and all those funny lines from all of the other movies. But in general, like, I think that Nicolas Cage is giving it a lot uh, of himself on the screen every time that he's on the screen, whether that is playing a, an, uh, like, a Cage-esque, what we consider Cage-esque, like, unhinged character, sure, but also, like, quieter movies, like Adaptation or, or whatever the case is. And you mentioned his voice work for um, Into the Spider-Verse, where... It's a little bit more reserved. I'm sure the crudes is that way as well. Um, as for the unbearable weight of massive talent, this is like the most fun I've had in the theater all year. And this is a movie where I came in uh, kind of like knowing basically the, the plot line and kind of like probably predicting like sort of what might happen. Not all, not 100%, but kind of just more of like, okay, cool. Well, you know, this is that and whatever the case is. As I'm watching this movie, as it starts out, a huge smile on my face. I don't know why. Like, I caught myself smiling super, super broadly. And as it's going along here, it's very, like, self-referential. It's very, like, self-aware of itself. Um, and I just found myself really, really uh, digging the performances for sure, but also just the way that <laughs> the movie plays out as, like, yes, this, uh, this love letter to Nicolas Cage but then also like the writing of a writing of a movie. And I, I just really dug that it was clever uh, in what it was doing. It, it knew how long to stay at the party. Um, and that's an important thing because we've seen other movies that are sort of like uh, self-referential and, and kind of aware, but they kind of like overstay their welcome. This one kind of knows how long to stay in each scene of the movie. And then it goes on to, um have like a fairly like you know uh, nice arc for for Nicolas Cage the actor in this movie um 
toward the end of the movie. So I, I really dug this. I, I think that it was like a really fun watch. I watched it with like an audience of not a lot of people, probably like 10 total, but we were all laughing at various different parts because we all sort of like understood different different elements of the movie. So it's it's certainly one that I, I would uh, recommend people to go check out. You know, it's interesting. You brought up the idea of scenes lasting the you know the length they kind of need to as opposed to overstretching itself or what have you. And I agree with that. And I think that comes from having, you know, not having a cast of improvisers and a director that encourages encourages like you know adding in more and more jokes and then letting the scenes play just because it seems funny mm-hmm. things that have you know you can, crept... you can say go ahead and say Judd Apatow uh, it's fine that's literally <laughs> my next sentence you know thing to things that come up in films from Judd Apatow or Paul Feig where it's like I like these films already and yet there's a handful of scenes that go on two to five minutes longer than they need to because yeah you have a cast of funny people trying to be funny constantly mm-hmm. where this is a film where it has someone like Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal who are you know, strong actors that can be funny, but that's certainly not the 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 weight of their performances is dependent on what inspiration they come up with in the moment. It's how can we make this script work? And I think that's the key of this film that really works. The fact that those two together have good chemistry and their scenes function the way they need to. They get to the beats of the plot as whatever needed, but you the fact that the film grounds that relationship well enough and those two are fun enough together without having to overdo the jokes that's where that's the key of this movie the stuff around it like even if if this was just a movie about like eccentric guy meets a you know meets a famous actor i think the movie would still work now obviously there's an extra layer because it's nicholas cage and it's adding that meta quality and some satirical hollywood elements that's solid as well but i think the fact that it has a core foundation that's what's the strength of this film now i'm a big nicholas cage fan i like what he i like the energy he brings to his best films Obviously, there's this period of more VOD stuff that, yeah, it's less desirable. But, you know, at his best, and I think there's a few decades of very good Cage stuff, I I think he's a terrific performer and one that I very much look forward to seeing. So I had my, honestly, I had my guard up walking into this movie because I was like, is this just going to be like a director that likes Cage because of the memes and stuff? Or is this somebody that actually knows Cage, like knows his filmography? And I was happy to think that, yeah, that is the appearance that I get from this. It seems like a movie that, understands Nicolas Cage as the person and the and what he's given to his career and not just what he's become in the eyes of you know people online and a younger audience that you know doesn't know Moonstruck as well as they know clips from The Wicker Man so I was happy that I movie was able to embrace things like that there's a reference to Matchstick Man that I really enjoyed because it's just a line reading um, that just very much amused me so like that stuff's really solid. Cage is really solid in the film. Pascal's great in this movie. He's having a blast. He again, that chemistry is really solid. There's that stuff with Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz as these CIA people. The movie like itself seems to not care about them. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, yeah, neither do I. Uh, it's like they're there and they they're amusing to their point um, for the point of the film having whatever plot it needs. But really, no, I, I like the I like the foundation that it has of having these two guys get together and grow to really enjoy each other's company and still layering in little cage in jokes about his career and stuff. And that's the thing that I thought clicked really well. And the movie is clever, like you said, Abe. Like it has more going on underneath the surface than I expected. Like it's not mm-hmm. just the sitcom plot of he's a he's uh, secretly spying on this guy. It has some interesting ideas as far as these guys want to write a screenplay together. And we, you know, you have to insert money shots for the trailer. And then it cuts to things like Javi shooting a shotgun at skeets. And it's like, oh, that's actually, there's some, there's some neat editing choices there that are deliberately commenting on what's actually being said. Like there's stuff like that that I enjoy. Yeah. 
So no, I enjoyed this movie quite. A, it's fun. It's like it's a it's a fun film. Uh, Terrence, how about you? Are you a Cage guy? Uh, I was talking to my dad about this after I saw the movie, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know how sometimes you have to be reminded about like the power of an actor. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and you like you took what you saw for granted. And it's like, no, Nick Cage is he has an Oscar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like he, he is a and multiple nominations. And so he is a good actor. And it was like watching this, not only was it a good performance, but it also sort of brought his career back into context. And I was like, oh yeah, no, this dude has been solid mm-hmm. m- most of his career. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. In terms of the referential stuff, it reminded me, like, as you guys were talking about it, it reminded me a lot of Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, hmm. I really enjoyed which it. I, which I think is a really smart movie about writing. And in this, I, I was happy that there were a lot of Nick Cage references, obviously, but there was actually attention paid to the script. Because I think when you get into movies that become self-referential, a lot of them just love to just rely on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, but we could watch this on YouTube. Like, why are we here for two hours? <laughs> you know, and at least in this, it was like, no, there is a real plot and there is real reference to Nick, but there's also fun understanding of the screenwriting process, right? You know, mm-hmm. like the movie ends up becoming sort of about what they said they didn't want to put in their <laughs> movie. Mm-hmm. Um which is a lot of fun. I, I, I love Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Um, so getting to see, he rarely gets to be silly. You know, we know him from Game of Thrones. You, you, you just mentioned Judd Apatow and he's in his new movie, The Bubble, where he gets to play silly, but that movie's got awful. So carry on. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with the flip of a coin, um, you could be in a good movie. Uh, yeah. It, he, I, I like, because, I know of him as like the serious actor, but then I know his personality just outside of acting is so goofy. Yeah. Yeah. That it was fun getting to see him do this type of role, um, especially sort of where the plot takes that character. I thought it was a really fun use of him. And just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish were, they were there. Right. Um, they were, they're in the movie. Uh <laughs> they they have sort of my they just didn't vibe yeah as much i think those two performances did not vibe with the movie and i don't know what it is about why um but other, i mean yeah part, no, it's, part it's, of it's it very, I, I think it's because it's a matter of they're available they are known enough in certain ways that you can market a movie with their involvement in it sure and it but like given the parts they're playing and given the tone it wants to play with and where they start versus where they end up it's like yeah this feels confusing as to what we wanted to accomplish with this aspect of the story and it's like it's yeah it's not the movie doesn't it doesn't care enough about this stuff for me that's true for me to care about it that much but at the same time it's like well you cast them and like (laughs) by the by the end of by the completion of their roles even I was confused, like, wait, so are, they're just gone now because this? Like, okay, that's, yeah, yeah. A, that's a step to take. <laughs> it was yeah, weird. I like, think, I was totally okay with it. Go ahead, Terrence. There just wasn't texture there. Yeah. Like, everybody else in this movie is getting to do something or be somebody that has got, like, they're a feel. Yeah. yeah. 
and and they don't yeah and so it, it's not even so much that it was like oh we know these people it just was like uh, so they're just there yeah and that's sort of like what you guys are talking about earlier too which is um they show up and then they're there the story doesn't really care about them and then they're gone and that's why i was like well you know it's, it's not as though like because i was also like i don't know I, I hope this doesn't go in the direction which i have seen some other movies go where at the end um you know they 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 show up and they're like nick cage you are the best actor in the world it's like no they actually have like a fairly serious like arc um but it's it's one that is dismissed just as quickly as it enters. So I guess Aaron, to your to your question of like why were they even there to begin with, it's like I actually don't know either. But yeah. you know they're they're easily as dismissed. And this is sort of what I'm talking about with like, you know, people show up at the party and then they kind of leave and they know when to take them out. And I was glad that they had that because I think the thing that I would have really dismissed this movie for is what you guys are both mentioning, which is if they if they were winking at the camera all the time. For like, sure. Nick Cage kind of like doing like if the rock theme music started playing when he has to like do a mission in a in a safe room. Um, yeah, I probably would have laughed by the same time. Like I would have been like mm, a little much. Um, it, it's the kind of thing where you need like the exact director to do some of this stuff. Right. And Tom Gormican doesn't have the longest filmography. Uh, he, he made that awkward he's been moment. more of a writer before. Right? He's, he's more of a writer and he, made, he directed that awkward moment, which is that movie with like Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan and Zach Efron from like a few years ago. That's not good. oh, god, oh, that yeah. movie, yeah, that movie. We talked about that movie. What yeah, a it's 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 bad. what a what a feature length, film. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but with this movie, like the ingredients are there from a screenplay standpoint as far as what it's trying to do, right? As far as and we mentioned the story, like as far as taking elements that that are typical in like a cliched Hollywood film and having the characters address that as far as we don't want that in our movie, but then embracing that towards the end of it, mm-hmm. there's a, you know, there's a cinematic irony that's going on though. That's, you know, supposed to be fun and clever. It's not bad here, but right. it's, but it feels like if there was a different direct, like some, not like a highly style, you know, not, a, not only like Michael Bay, but like, some, but like if they're, you know, to like relive the rock or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like, if there was some director that like, just had like a slightly better eye for how to capture that kind of thing. I think it may like be a full circle. Like we've done this as far as we've, we've, we've properly homaged Nicolas Cage and had a fun, like way of tying this stuff all together that would incorporate, you know, mm-hmm. the other, like the, the Haddish and Baron Holtz character. Like it would make all that mesh together as it stands. I like this movie. I'm not, you know, I'm not huge on it, but it's like, that's enjoyable. Yeah. That's the job. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Right. Yeah. I, again, there's certain elements of it that I think that, could have been done away with it as well but i think on the whole the the relationship of cage and uh, pascal is what really sells you on this yeah, and for sure. again like uh there's like some shadiness around some of these characters to begin with but also uh it really grows on you so um, i'm glad that they focus on that much more than anything else because uh, i was thinking to myself well this might be a movie full of cameos because you get you know, Patrick Harris in this movie in the beginning. Um, you get like who's who's like the director he's meeting? Uh, David Gordon Green. David Gordon, David Gordon Green. Green. That, yeah. that, so that got me because I was like, that's <laughs> that's such a that's such a fun pull. Like I know and I know uh, they wanted Tarantino originally and he, oh. he they couldn't get him to do it, but they got David Gordon Green, who directed Nick Cage and Joe, a movie that's quite good. Uh-huh. Um, but, but the fact like that the fact that it wasn't like someone more you know like Ron Howard, like someone familiar. Right. I like that it yeah. was something like just obscure enough for like. Yeah. 
some people will like automatically know oh that's David Gordon Green others will be like okay like that right. was a fun that was a fun thing to throw in there yeah it's a fun thing to throw in there and again like I I was thinking I hope that this movie isn't cameo heavy um yeah and it, it, some some movies do it well some movies don't do it as well uh, but in terms of, like the the themes for this movie in terms of like you know being aware of who we're making this movie of and about and for like in terms of Nick Cage and his his life in films. I'm glad that they also went a comedic route to it too. Like this comedic, like somewhat dramatic route instead of just full on drama. Like we've seen in like uh, JCBD or in um, uh, Birdman, right. Where it's like, Hey, heavy themes about how my life has been influenced by movies and why I love them so much, yada, yada. But this one was like, let's make it funny and fun and kind of like, um, like to, I guess say a Nick Cage word groovy. Right. So did, did you enjoy Nick Cage? Uh, and Nick Cage together, I, I found that to be very fun. Like I young young Nick Cage, like, yeah. they slenderize. I was his, like, his when brain. that happened, I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but I just love how um, this is like sort of. Like, I, I really like the editing of this movie um, in terms of like the the screen uh, the screen um, uh, what you call it like tricks that they play because mm-hmm. when he puts on his sunglasses, you see that there's somebody there, and then you're like, who's in his car with him? And he turns over and it's like, it's young Nick Cage from like, you know, um, like early 90s. Yeah. Um, And I I dug that about it. But then the other uh, editing thing I liked was, um, this is is an example, is like when he, when they pan away from him um, out of the panic room and he's like back at the party. Like, these are some really cool like visual things that you're doing here. Um, You know, albeit like just one or two, but in in general, like I did like young Nick Cage because I liked what he, um, sort of represents in terms of uh you were this young cool guy and you still are like i'm your ego Uh, Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is also like i like that he interacts with him in a way that allows you to see that like hey um i'm free from from this thing too i can be separate from them but i also just dug the, the hijinks that they do like kissing yourself is hilarious i i like the, i do like that he embraced it enough where it's like i I, I, I find, I find Nick Cage pretty fascinating as like a performer mm-hmm. and I've read a lot, you know, in recent with pig coming out and all these different, you know, GQ stories or whatnot that really don't, you know, he's giving these great interviews. I it's neat to read about his process and what have you. And so mm-hmm. the fact that he fully embraced a movie like this, that I, that I assume he's, I think he like said no to a couple of times before he accepted. Oh, it's, wow. It's, it's neat that he's like embracing his image well enough here that he can play that young version of him and do the whole rage cage type thing right. uh, while still giving this other performance that is heightened. This is not like who Nick Cage is. He's not this like egomaniac. <laughs> that's like, like he's a, he's a fairly shy guy that takes his process seriously. So like this version of him in the movie is clearly like a different type of thing, but yeah. I like, but I like that he was willing to, to go that far and playing with himself. And I believe, mm-hmm. Abe, by the way, I think the, the making out with himself thing, something he suggested oh wow <laughs> okay all right <laughs> i i love that sequence because she's like give me another drink or whatever afterwards like wow is that good <laughs> i also liked um the his family i i think they did a good job with uh what sharon horgan as uh, his wife or his ex-wife mm-hmm. and his daughter played by uh Ooh, that birthday scene Lily was Jade. yeah it's, birthday. <laughs> it's one of those uh, moments where like if I were watching it at home, I would have had to hit fast forward just a smidge just because the awkwardness, I was dying. Oh in the my gosh, that um, scene is so good. So yeah, the, yeah, I, I, I agree that the family was good. I also love Neil Patrick Harris being there for 
mm-hmm. five minutes. He was having um, fun. Yeah. As like, the agent. No, it was really funny. Right. I, yeah. I, I just, I mentioned the film just because I like that it took it seriously enough where that could easily be a throwaway thing. Exactly. But I yeah. think it, it treated it with a level, even because it's, it's not, um, you know, it's not, again, it's not Cage. That's deliberate. You're not going to like resemble his life exactly. It's not like, yeah. he has two sons, I believe, <laughs> like not right. one daughter, let alone a 16 year old daughter. But I like that the film still paid enough like respect to that idea that it's like he wants to be a family, he wants to be a good dad and, a, and maybe make up as being a husband. Like it, yeah. it gives a level of weight that I appreciate as opposed to just delving further into like sitcom territory. Right, and that's I think that's like the the appropriate thing to say is it doesn't delve into the sitcom territory stuff, which would have been a little bit too saccharine, but a little bit too like lame, I guess. Um, and you know, just the last thing about Neil, Neil Patrick Harris is like. I don't know if you guys have seen Hacks, the show on HBO, um, yep. yeah. where uh, her agent is like this fumbling idiot kind of thing. It's like, I'm glad that they didn't have Neil Patrick Harris be like a fumbling idiot as well. Um, it's like, you know, he's a pretty composed guy. He doesn't say anything out of the ordinary, like, you know, that you should go do this project or that project. It's not entourage. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it, everybody has like their role to play. And this is like the best thing is like when they play the role. So I guess it all goes back to what you guys are both saying around these aren't um, comedic actors that improvise a lot. And because of that, that's like where um, you get some genuine action or I'm sorry, some genuine movie making. And that sort of, when you guys mentioned that, I was thinking to myself of, um, of a uh, Casa de Mio Padre. It's like, that is like a one where like Will, Will Ferrell is fairly reserved because he doesn't speak Spanish. So he can't improvise in Spanish. And so the thing is like, it's a really good movie for, um, for the the two guys, uh, I, their names slip my mind, but um, some of my favorite performances from uh, Diego Luna, um, and who's the other guy? Um, uh, Who else is in Casa de It's it's the the Mama Tambien boys. Oh, Gal Garcia Bernal. Yeah, I forgot yeah. they were both. It. I remember Diego for some reason. I didn't remember yeah. Bernal. Okay, but that's an example of just hey, Will Ferrell, like don't do silly Will Ferrell things because obviously you can't improvise in Spanish, but it's it's like hey you know like will ferrell can do funny things that are restrained to some degree so yeah um i was glad that that everybody here is knowing their role doesn't really go out of it because like the mom character like the ex-wife character could have also been um like just weird but instead she plays it pretty straight um and she's like a responsible adult that has a daughter right. and an ex-husband and not like a shrew or yeah. any other right. define you know cliched versions of ex-wife exactly. character yeah. yeah and that would have been a shame because then i would have been like you know i, I would have liked this movie if it was only the Pedro pascal and, and nicholas cage stuff but it, it, in total it's like it's actually a fairly uh, accomplished movie so oh by the way there's two mm-hmm. like there's that drug sequence that made me laugh a lot. i think that made everybody laugh a lot it's really funny but mm-hmm. there's a scene where they have to like disguise nicholas cage that killed oh my me. gosh the, the reveal of what that was killed me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't he has such a very very specific face where it's like you can't just hide this guy like, what's that gonna be <laughs> yeah there's a, a really a, a lot of fun stuff here and again like i think that you guys probably laugh at the same things i laughed at which are like a lot of like hollywood in things um it's mm-hmm. like, I, i'm only a part of like sag and i don't know what after is yeah yeah that was, <laughs> that was funny yeah that was really funny <laughs> but then i also like when pedro Pascal was like you know he's actually pretty tall I, he's taller than i thought because most actors are like pretty yep. short i'm like yes mm-hmm. you yeah, know like including pedro Pascal. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah 
So there's a lot of like um, really fun things, but again, nothing overstays their their welcome, which I I, I did like about it. So not, not that it was required, but like there's a reference that like Pedro Pascal makes to guarding tests of all yes. things, and I, like that's one of the films I watched this past week. As far as all these cage films I was watching, it's like oh I'm glad I caught up with that movie for whatever reason. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a like a weird one to go for, and that's the point. I get it, but it's still funny. It's like yeah, but it's not it's not like it's required, but it's still it's like oh that's that's yeah that's a choice. Uh, all right. Uh, when should people go and see the unbearable weight of massive talent currently playing in theaters as well? Terrence? I'll go see it in theaters. Dave? Yeah, I had a really good time. I, I'd tell you to go see it in theaters as well. Yeah, it's nice to get just like a good comedy mm-hmm. <laughs> in theaters. So I, yeah, see it in theaters and hope there's an audience that wants to have fun with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I was very lucky to have, again, those 10 members in my audience that we all laughed. It was it was great. We all sort of knew <laughs> the in-jokes. Well, great. All right. Well, that's been our review of Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Let's um, let's move on now. Oh boy, what a what a, what time? Oh, what time is it? It's time for a shellacking in games. Little known fact: that's actually the tune that plays when uh, Amaleth gets the sword. But they're like, it's a little <laughs> bit too, it's a little bit too happy. A little too jaunty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a pretty serious scene, Aaron. Can you make something that's a little bit more serious? <laughs> well, guys, I have two games for you this week. All right. And here is the first game. It is called Cage or Caged. Oh, no. I, I'm going to read you the taglines for movies, and they're either going to be a Nick Cage movie or a movie featuring characters who are in a cage at some point. Oh my gosh, let's do this. I'm hyped. <laughs> I am hyped. Okay, so if you so I'm indexing all the movies where people have been in a cage. So all the all the answers are gonna be either cage or caged. However, okay. if you can tell me the name of the movie that this tagline's from, you get an extra point. Okay, so the answer okay. could just be cage or cage. Yeah, if you say cage or cage. Okay. Yeah, you still have to buzz, you still have to be the first to buzz yeah. in and say the right answer. Buzz in with okay. your name, of course. Here's the first one. Let playtime begin. Abe. Abe. Caged. It is not caged. Okay. Terrence. Terrence. Cage. Cage. <laughs> Any chance you know what movie I'm referring to? I have absolutely no idea. The movie is Willy's Wonderland. Willy. Okay. Yeah. I was oh, like, is God. it the Cujo yeah, no, or never... Child's Play, maybe? <laughs> never get that. Here's the next one. No toy gets left behind. No toy gets left behind. Terrence. Terrence. Caged. Yes. Do you know the movie? I want to say Toy Story 3. It is Toy Story 3. Wow. Two points. Oh my God. <laughs> Two right, points. Good job. Bonus bonus point. There's a there's a cage movie called Left Behind, uh, which is <laughs> which I thought was funny. <laughs> oh, like the, the Left Behind the series? Left- uh, yeah, exactly. Wait, with the Kirk Cameron thing? Yeah, there's a Left Behind movie. He remade that it. Nick Cage is in? Yeah. Wow. Not with Kirk Cameron, it. but there's a Left Behind right, movie right. that's based on that specific story. Hmm. All right. Which is wild. But... Yeah. Next one. Get ready for the ultimate spin. Hmm. What? Get ready for the ultimate spin. Abe. Abe. Caged. It is caged. Bumblebee. 
It's not okay. it's not Bumblebee, <laughs> but you got a point. It's actually Spider-Man. The oh, first, the first Spider-Man. That's but, a pretty broad tagline. What's the tagline? Get ready for the ultimate spin. Yeah, I guess that plays. For Spider-Man? It's one of the taglines. And yes, yeah. I'm choosing taglines very specifically. I can I can hear uh I can hear uh uh that band that we all love playing right now in my head. Chad Kroger? Yeah, which I can't remember the name of the band. His, well, it's not Nickelback. His, Nickelback. It's Nickelback. It's just, but it's but it was just him. It's just Chad. That is oh, a it's great, just him. Oh. A great movie theme song. He Hero. got a different band to play with him for that theme. Well, it's him and like one other. Who is it? I, this is a stupid. No, band. no, don't worry. We don't have to link it up. We don't have to link it up. <laughs> it is a great. I mean, people bag on Nickelback. It's like, it's a good theme for that movie. <laughs> like, that is a great It's a good track. Song. There's yeah, a reason why it's number one. <laughs> Here's the next one. A Storm is Coming. Terrence. Terrence? Caged. It's not caged. Damn. Abe. Abe. Cage. Yeah. But I'll be surprised uh, if you get the movie. Is it his submarine movie that was like on VOD like just a few years ago? No. Okay. Uh, it's called Grand Isle. Okay. I wouldn't have gotten that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not U571, the knockoff. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Here's the next one. If you think you know the story, you don't know Jack. Ooh. Terrence? Terrence? Caged? It is caged. Any chance you know the movie? <laughs> I, I, I want to say Jack Frost. Uh, I mean, you got half of it. And Abe, you're going to kick yourself. It's Jack the Giant Slayer. Oh my gosh. Great hair. Great hair. Oh. I think not. <laughs> All right. Uh, a weirdly yeah. brutal movie for its rating. Yeah. It's a pretty yeah, brutal but both in watching it and in the content of the movie. Yeah. 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 Nicholas Holt has an Asian day since. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next one. Survival gets wild. Survival gets I mean Abe. Abe. I'm going to say cage. It is cage. But survival is wild. I mean, you already said Mandy earlier, right? As one of the movies? Nope. Mandy? No, it's not Mandy. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> great, great hope there. It's primal. Primal. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> Here's the next one. Brotherhood has its price. Oof. Terrence? Terrence. Cage? It is Cage. Any chance you know the movie? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I, I wouldn't think you did. It's called Arsenal. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That was not even close to what I was not thinking a, yeah. about. So. If you haven't noticed, these are not well-known Cage movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that doesn't help me out. Yeah. Uh, here's the next one. Mm-hmm. For the young in heart of every age. What? <laughs> There's no hint to this. Young in heart of every age. Uh, Abe. Yeah. Uh, Cage. Incorrect. Oh. Terrence. Terrence. Caged. Caged. For the young at heart of every age. 
you'd have to basically like see this poster with this specific tagline and know what this movie is because there's, there's nothing hints at you what this is is it jack no it's not jack <laughs> is it the notebook no it's pinocchio <laughs> oh okay so i i said case i was like i wonder if it's like willie or wonka's wonderland or... <laughs> okay. here's the next one mm-hmm. there's two more hunted haunted wanted like beasts of prey that's the entire tagline yes jesus <laughs> abe abe caged caged is the correct answer i'm gonna say predators you're wrong but you're not too far wrong Ooh. it's planet of the apes planet okay the the uh burton the original oh okay All right. hunted haunted wanted like beasts of prey but can he sing <laughs> Help me, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> Last one. Based on a true story of survival. <laughs> Not the case. Terrence. Terrence. Caged. Incorrect. What? Oh, my God. I was like, which movie says he done with your biopics? Abe Cage. Yeah. Um, based on a, what was the tagline again? Based on a true story of survival. Um... I mean, you're saying that these are very obscure Nicolas Cage movies, so mm-hmm. uh, Bad Lieutenant Protocol in New Orleans. I wouldn't call that obscure. Um, I'm mean, kidding. Uh, you know that Robert Shaw story in Jaws where he talks about the 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 uh, the shark and everything. Quint. Yeah, when Quint talks about the shark. Uh-huh. Yeah, they made that into a movie directed by Mario Van Peebles called USS Indianapolis. Men That's of the Courage. one I was thinking. Of. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Knockoff submarine, but. The- they're not on a submarine they're on a battle carrier yeah by the way terrence earlier when you were talking about um you know nicholas cage you know or asu and aaron were talking about like his 80s 90s i was like if you look at the directors that he's worked with in that time span like 10 of them are like top 10 directors of yeah. all time it's yeah ridley scott cage has an incredible photography like yeah <laughs> martin scorsese you know like these are not no name actors no name directors yeah, he was a top. I mean, he's... The Cohen brothers. Yeah. Well, this was a close game, guys. But Abe, oh. you came in second place with five versus Terrence's six. Oh, Basically, yeah. Terrence, by getting Toy Story three, you won the game. That's really, really oh, close there. Good job, Terrence. I was waiting. Something in my mind told me that you were going to do like a deep blue sea or like some sort of shark movie where somebody was in a cage. So I was waiting for something that sounded shark like. I mean, the USA Indianapolis is a shark movie. So I yeah, see, I guess there there we go. Go. but it was a cage movie. That was the trick. Um, Clever. All right, here's the that was that was cage or caged. Here's okay. the next movie. It's called Movie Swords. What Movie Swords? <laughs> do I do we have to name? Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to describe to you famous swords from films, and you have to name me. Uh, you can okay. For one thing, you can name me the movie that'll get you a point. If you can name me the name of the sword from the movie, that's also a point. Wow. Okay. From from movies. From movies specifically, so no TV okay. shows. It's all movies. Got it. A movie podcast. Great. Okay. Here's the first one. Same rules. Buzz in with your name. This famous sword can only be wielded by the one who pulls it from the stone. Terrence. Terrence. So you want the movie, right? I want the movie, and if you know it, the sword. The sword and the stone. Sure. Excalibur. Excalibur is pretty good. Yeah. Any movie with Excalibur you would have accepted. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, I okay. wasn't going to. Oh, if you said okay. King Arthur, I wouldn't have like hurt you for it. But okay, yeah. of course, you know, that's the easy one. So that, yeah, that I want to say. I want to. Right. Yeah. 
I want to go. say a movie that was quality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the next one. This sword was reforged from the shards of Narsil, the Abe. weapon that Isildur Abe. Uh, Lord of the Rings. I guess you could name any of them: the Fellowship of the Ring, the Return of the King, or the Two Towers. Well, you said Return of the King, and so I'll give it to you. But that is the one where he specifically uses it, so yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going for. <laughs> you know the name of the sword. <sighs> Were you going to say it in your clue? No, because that's the answer okay. to the question. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, the name of the sword is um, Narsil. No, it's it's reforged from the shards of Narsil becomes oh. a new sword. Oh, I don't. Oh, the new sword. Yeah, it's like Fangorn Forest. <laughs> not, not what it it's is. named after a forest. <laughs> no, it's like light short lightsaber. Go ahead, Terrence. Oh no, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Aaron tell us what the. Oh, oh, is that what you're gonna do? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I can't. It, the sword's name hurts. is Enduril. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know what it was. Okay. Here's the next one. This sword requires tremendous Austrian strength to wield it. Austrian. What? Abe? Abe? Conan the Barbarian. That is correct. <laughs> you get on my nerves. <laughs> on my I don't know the name of the sword, though. I don't know the name of the yeah, sword. Yeah, it's, 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 it's at the Atlantean sword. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to lose this. It's okay. You're you tired. get on my nerves is the quote <laughs> of the episode. Here's the next one. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Ooh, what? There's a follow-up part if you don't know it already. There's some nerds. Abe. There. Yeah. Highlander? Incorrect. Mm. I don't think it's called Highlander. The Highlander? That's a, that's the person, not the sword. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the next well, can part. Can you say the tag? The tag. Uh, the first okay. part. An elegant weapon of a more civilized age. It can be used to cut through blast doors and enemies alike. Hmm. Blast doors. Terrence. Terrence. This is wrong. <laughs> the King's Man? Incorrect. The answer was a lightsaber. Blast doors. I was like, where are, are there other places beyond now you know, space? Now you know I do not doors? care for the Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought Why you might you... recognize the most one of the most famous movie swords of all time. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I own a lightsaber. So like <laughs> let alone the direct quote from a movie. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Uh, the short sword, which was created by the elves, glows blue when goblins are nearby, alerting its wielder to impending danger. Terrence. Terrence. This is in multiple, but The Hobbit. Yeah. Okay. An unexpected journey. Oh, um, title. God, what the fuck is the name? What is it called? I'm gonna be so mad when I don't get this. I'm I'm, I'm scrapping my brain too. I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to remember to say before Aaron does. You are gonna you are gonna hate yourself because it's pretty simple. <laughs> it's it's like Lightbringer or something. <laughs> I know that's wrong. Abe, any thoughts? I, I don't. I'm going to be so mad, though. Sting. I fucking am <laughs> so mad. I was like, it's probably like Lelandriel. <laughs> oh, my God. The NC or WCW wrestler? Yeah, it's Sting as a uh, the wrestler as a sword. Right. It's like face paint on it and everything. <laughs> okay, two more. Okay. This stolen legendary sword boosts the fighting prowess of its wielder. 
stolen legendary sword boosts the fighting prowess Boost. of its wielder. Is there a part two for this? Uh, no. Although I can, <laughs> I can give you some additional clues. Legendary stolen Abe. Abe. Ryan the Last Dragon. It, no. Mm. All right. Here's one clue. Uh huh. The primary wielder of this weapon in this movie is female. Abe. Abe. Mulan. In, do these have like re- <laughs> like swords that you remember? <laughs> like, did you walk out of Mulan thinking like, man, that fucking sword was Wow, cool. that sword that she has is amazing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a sword that is stolen that gives you like... Here's like, another clue. Live action. Wait, wait. Give us the first clue first. The, the first clue again. Not just the thing that I said or the thing that I said? Nope. The first clue. The stolen legendary sword boosts the fighting prowess of its wielder. Terrence. Terrence. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's correct. Ah! Do you know the name of the sword? I do. Is the Jade Scorpion is what's coming to mind, but I don't think that last part is right. That's a Woody Allen movie. It's the Green Destiny. (laughs) The Jade Scorpion. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, you're you're on the right track. Yeah, it's got the you know the shade of green and yeah. Okay. Okay, that was a good one. Here's the next. Here's the last one. All right. Forged by a retired swordsmith who initially refused to craft the weapon until he learned its intended target. Abe. Abe. Kill Bill Volume One. Uh huh. I don't know if it has a name, but it's forged by Hattori Hanzo. That's what I was going for. The Hattori Hanzo katana. Guys, we have a tie. Oh, shit. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Please tell me the tiebreaker is another sword name. (laughs) Um, Yes, it is. Oh, no. (laughs) Jesus. I need to look up exactly what this one. (laughs) I need to look up a way to like say this without giving it away. Okay. I was thinking the, you know, the multiple uh, points would help uh, get away from a clue, but I had a backup. I just need to. Technically, if you added Terrence's six points on top of this one, he definitely won. That's not how we played it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Game Master. Okay. 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 Here's a okay. Here's a clue. Here we go. And again, it's if you get the movie and the sword name. Sword name's a little wonky, but here, let's see. Okay, this sword was voiced by the late Frank Sinatra. What? Um. <laughs> uh. Voiced? Mm-hmm. Think about what Sinatra does. <laughs> that. You think that will help? Yeah, I, I was like, I do he... think that and will it, help. <laughs> it and it won't. Um, Abe, Abe, <sighs> Flash Gordon. In does he even have a sword? Yes, he does. It's not Flash. No, no, like, no, no it's like no, a, it's a no, no. Sorry, He Man has a. I'm thinking like I won. Oh no, He Man like, Flash Gordon Flash... has like like a, a blaster gun. Okay, all right. Terrence for the win. What does Frank Sinatra do? He sings. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like you act like that. <laughs> Did you not hear the silence? When I you hear said it. that clue as if we understood maybe, what you were saying. Maybe if you said it aloud. Is there a singing sword that 
We're forgetting I mean, about Terry. You've technically got the name. <laughs> Singing Sword? Uh-huh. Oh my you just don't know what movie it's from, apparently. No, I don't. Okay. I wanna I must I'm gonna just a chitty chitty bang bang, even though I know that's wrong. No, it's who frame Roger Rabbit. Oh my he god. The, he was the voice of that sword? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yes, Congrats, he was. Abe, on this win. That's not the win. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't win. He didn't win. He just he just took words and put them together. <laughs> yeah. You said he got the name. Okay. Do we have to do another one? Yeah, we are gonna do another. I think, one. I think we have to do another one here. Oh okay, all the marbles here. Hold on. Let me find another one. It's from here we movie. Go. This sword is wielded by its user to take out vampires, but be careful because you may not be able to use it. Ooh. This is absolutely wrong, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Eternals? It's no, it's not Eternals. Dang. Is it Blade? It is Blade, Abe. It's but Blade. I don't know the name of the move or the name of the sword. It doesn't have it. It's from Blade. It's the Daywalker oh. sword. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I was thinking. I was see. I was. I was like, oh, he's trying to trick me into using this post-credit scene. <laughs> from Eternals. I couldn't even tell you the name of that sword, but fittingly, you chose a scene from Eternals involving Blade, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but Abe, uh, you, you managed to knock this one out, so you win movie swords. Yes! And together, both of you have won this week's games. High five, Terrence. Virtual high five, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. Let's, um... For you. <laughs> <laughs> I did have fun. Torturing me and Terrence. Yeah. Let's uh, let's Begin. move on now. Let's uh, thank you. Let's move. Let's get some out some out now feedback. 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 This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash out podcast. We asked a number of questions. We asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us some answers. And actually, we got a question this week as well. Oh, um, so yeah, let's do this. First question is: What's your favorite revenge film? Adam has Kill Bill. Uh, Jeff has John Wick. Actually, if I could only pick one, V for Vendetta. Brandon Peters has The Day the Clown Died and colon Abe's Revenge. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, I'd be, if I'm the hero of that movie, let's go. Uh, and Chris has Mad Max, Carrie, uh, and Revenge. Is that the international film, Revenge? Like, Well, there's a Tony Scott movie called Revenge, and there's also a, um, let's, there's another one with like Mads Mikkelsen recently, I think. Called. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen's in it? Okay. Is Carrie... Carrie's an ultimate revenge movie. I mean, you know, they pick on her for the whole movie. And but then she like, gets back at all of them. That's revenge. But, like, that's not the point. Uh, okay, I'll give you t- on a technicality. Sure. <laughs> I'll go I'll sure. go by lowest common denominator. If you can find it on a top 10 screen rant list, it's a revenge movie. Screen rant. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I will throw in Promising Young Woman. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the limey. The limey. That's a good one. Anything Anything from Promising young woman is what I will All right. choose. Boom. There you go. Next question we have here. What are some great films set during Viking times? Chris writes The Vikings, How to Train Your Dragon, and Valhalla Rising. And Jeff writes The 13th Warrior. Huh. All are there a lot of Viking movies? How to Train Your Dragon is pretty... I'll, I'll spectacular one. i'll throw in yeah. how to train your dragon too <laughs> and i guess i'll make it a th- trilogy with how to train your dragon part three the hidden world yeah exactly oh i have another revenge movie i'm i'm done the count of monte cristo 
There you go. There you go. An actual revenge tale with uh, Jim Caviezel. Absolutely. You're not. Right. You're not just dumb. You're a Dumas. And baby, <laughs> baby Henry Cavill <laughs> is in that movie. Is he? Who's he mm-hmm. Is he like? What, what is he? What he is plays he? the son of a uh, guy Pearson. Oh. Tomorrow. Who's the woman in that movie? Patrick uh, Wilson's wife. Patrick Wilson's wife. Mm-hmm. They're married. Who? Wow. Her name is very hard. Dagmara Dominic. Okay, so it's so it's not like a, a super marquee actress that they got for that. It, it was just Cave- They were just going on the power of Caviezel and Pierce and Harris, right? That that was the that was the appeal. <laughs> Box office dynamos. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> JC himself. You're up. Uh, what's your favorite cinematic take on Hamlet, direct adaptation or otherwise? And Gentry writes The Lion King. Todd has The Lion King. Chris has North by Northwest. Yeah, how about you guys? Any cinematic takes on Hamlet? <laughs> North by Northwest. North by Northwest. <laughs> Maybe you, you know, some dramatic reason. I, I wonder if he made if he went that for a different question, but it's very funny that it's here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lion King animated from 94 won a grammy <laughs> and several oscars and, um, <laughs> those are yeah. those are less important hans zimmer's first oscar out of two <laughs> which is wild it is it's it's wild that he only won one for the longest time and then it's definitely wild that it's for the lion king specifically that's that's what always gets me it's like what do you win his first oscar for gladiator the lion king what okay and i love yeah. that score it's a great score like so, yeah. so i'm not against it um, I probably see the Lion King as well. Honestly, it's like yeah, Brad, Brad, I made six hours for the Hamlet. It's a movie. It exists. Yeah. Um, last action hero. There you go. It, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Got machine guns. I, I also like will last. <laughs> throw a special shout out to the one with Mel Gibson. It's a movie. Because yep. I watched it. That was the one we watched in high school. Yeah, I watched it in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, watch, we watched both of them. I watched the Mel Gibson one. Then we watched the the Branov four hour spectacle. Wow. Oof. Yeah, it's a lot of your Hamlet. teachers are doing a great job. A lot of Hamlet. <laughs> uh, next question What's the most epic setting for a final battle? I feel like this is where North by Northwest belongs from Chris's answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, John writes Avengers Ed Game. Uh, actually, no, because Chris has an answer for this one, so never mind. Um, Chris writes, uh, Yeah, End Game is definitely up there, as well as the end battle on Pandora in Avatar. I'd also have to include Mad Max Fury Road. It's the most epic Avatar. for a final battle. That's such a good shout. It is because mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's a great. I mean, it's like James a Cameron ending. Like in that movie. Yeah, it's amazing. People, I I know. I'm not happy that he's making 17 more of these movies, but like <laughs> this, James Cameron knows how to direct a movie. Um, and I I'll happily see a, an entirely new universe. I haven't seen one of those before. Give me that. It's a good point. Um, final battle. A setting for a final battle. The most epic. Yeah. Set, what's the most epic setting for a final battle? The setting is what's throwing me off. Um, you know, it's not. It's not like yeah. a final battle, but I do enjoy like that. That like freezer room battle uh, in Empire Strikes Back with Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. Oh, I mean, that's basically the final battle of the movie. Can I do of that movie? Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Go ahead. The multiverse portal Spider Verse. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, with, with all the Spider-Man yeah. versus Kingpin. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And like throwing buildings at each other. Yeah. 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 Great. <laughs> it rocks. Yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> I mean, Tokyo or such a 
big setting for a lot of Godzilla movies, but Hong, <laughs> but but Hong Kong and Godzilla versus Kong, where it's all like neon and they're fucking yeah, up. You like I'm into it. Picking a choice from a Godzilla movie, <laughs> who would have thought? It's in a great epic setting. Surprise! <laughs> they they took Mechagodzilla by the arms and slammed it through a building. It was the it was it was wonderful. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, the question here is, uh, and we're also going to give our own answers, but what are your top five Nick Cage performances? Chris has, okay, try and put it together. Five, Pig. Four, Mandy. Three, The Rock or Gun in 60 Seconds. Two, Face Off or Con Air. And easy top spot, Leaving Las Vegas. Is this a top five with seven movies in it? Yes um and so you know i guess we're gonna get let them go away with it uh adam jeffrey writes best adapt or does adaptation count as two huh. um i'm gonna say yes if he wants him to he's like yeah his performance is donald his performance is charlie exactly one of them might not have a happy but ending. you owe us three more adam <laughs> <laughs> and brandon peters writes five vampires kiss four bringing out the dead three face off Two wild at heart. Number one, Matt Stickman. And Yancey uh, writes five, bringing out the dead. Four, raising Arizona. Three, moonstruck. Two, bad lieutenant. And number one, leaving Las Vegas. I have a late entry here from Peter Parrish, friend of the show as well. Uh-huh. He has five, leaving Las Vegas, four, wild at heart, three, bad lieutenant, two, raising Arizona, and one, Matt Stickman. Hmm. Well, I have my five, um, yes. and I'll say right now, I made a top 20 that I put on Letterboxd, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes, um, but my five, which is not easy, <laughs> there's uh-huh. a, a range mm-hmm. of performances, uh, by a five, Raising Arizona, four, Moonstruck, three, Bringing Out the Dead, two, Matchstick Men, and one, Adaptation. That's good. Mm-hmm. Solid. Uh, I've got uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, no particular order here, uh, voice work, Fantastic. Uh, dramatic work, just being dramatic. Adaptation. Dramatic, funny, weird, wonky, raising Arizona. Good dad energy. Like, I like that Nick Cage will do just like I'm a dad type movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Family man. Okay. Like, versus like people that are just like, well, you know, I'm going to do prestige pictures. Like, no, I'm just going to be a dad. Um, and then lastly, uh, Face Off. I, I dig him in Face Off. He's Which you guys did commentary on. Yeah. It's my number eight. It's great face-off. He, he gives like three performances. He gives himself. Exactly. Him as John Travolta and him as John Travolta as Nicolas Cage. Exactly. And people were like, oh, he doesn't have range. Like, he did a movie where he played three roles. Um, Parents, you got, a, you got a list for us? I'm going to go in alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. City of Angels. Okay. Um, Because me and my mom watch that movie all the time. Uh, And he's surprisingly good in as a romantic lead um have you ever watched wings of desire the original i have not it's a wonderful you should see it it's a wonderful film yeah i will add it to the list uh face off Mm -hmm. for all the reasons you just mentioned leaving las vegas Mm -hmm. because it is the one that won him the oscar yeah for good reason it's a great movie yeah (laughs) moonstruck Uh uh-huh moonstruck which is a phenomenal movie and a great performance Mm-hmm. that I might have handed him an Oscar for <laughs> and pig, which he should have got an Oscar nomination this this year. Yeah. There you go. I did not expect him to be giving 
anything like what he gave in Pig when I heard what that movie was about. <laughs> when I watch it on Hulu, I'll I'll let you guys know. Oh, uh, it's a it's yeah, it's a it's a good movie. It's really good. Really absorbing. Yeah. And it's only like 90 minutes. It's not a long movie either. Oh, <laughs> which was a a blessing. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our top five Nick Cage performances. And there's there plenty to explore. I've been watching a lot recently just because what helps is he's such a fun actor where it's like the movies he has are so wildly different from each other. So it's not like you watch a bunch <laughs> of Nick Cage films. And you're like, you're getting a lot of the same thing. It's like, right. oh, there's, there's a bunch of different kinds of movies you can be watching if you want to have a Nick Cage marathon. Yeah. All right. Um, so next question we have here. What are some great films about meeting one's hero? Jeff has last action hero. What, Jeff? meetings one oh films about meeting your heroes yeah <sighs> what is close up abbas abbas kirsami the toothpaste <laughs> no <laughs> that's a good that's a good pick that's i like that close that's a good pick yeah um i'm gonna i'm gonna i can't think of any i've had the, the one that's coming to mind immediately is the fault in our stars where they go meet the dick writer and he's willem like, dafoe <laughs> is oh, it willem dafoe? i thought yeah. it was f mary abraham the northman's willem dafoe <laughs> and he's just like don't fucking talk to me kids <laughs> and i was like this is this is exactly why you should not meet your heroes later i think he he writes him a note or something but you know whatever uh how about you aaron meeting your heroes there's one that's coming like i know there's it's a tough one to like think because there's like it's a weird quarter category but there's one um that's sticking out and it's kind of it's kind of offhand it's a, a bronx tale oh okay and it's because mm. there's like he like he he basically like he gets it's you know it's like good fellows but what if it was a coming of age story essentially <laughs> and so it's like there's this aspect where the kid meets and gets involved with chas palmentary's character and everything and gets into this kind of gangster life and his dad robert dino doesn't want him there um, but it's neat because it's like he's becoming this thing, but at the same time, it's challenging for various reasons, and it's just a really good movie. I really like a Bronx Tale. So. Hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, the next question here is: name some great midlife crisis movies. Adam Gentrates. I don't feel very comfortable watching anymore, but American Beauty meant an awful lot to me. Chris has The Incredibles and Another Round. Midlife crisis movies. Speaking of soon uh, to be remade, Another Round. Um... <laughs> with DiCaprio and I assume the posse. Oh, did they, did they announce DiCaprio as the lead? Well, he's the one producing. He, he bought he's the, the rights. Producing it, oh, yeah. no. Now, as much as I don't want it to happen, I will give them a chance if all of those dudes come back. Yeah, I was saying, it, it, only if it's actually DiCaprio and his friends. So if it's him, yeah. Tom McGuire, what, Ethan Suplee? Ethan, yeah, Ethan Suplee. <laughs> um, Kevin, and, uh, Ke Kevin from, uh, what's his name, from, from Entourage. Yeah, uh, yeah. Him. And uh, then, e, uh, you know, Witness from Entourage. Guy. Oh, yeah, and he has, uh, what's his name, too? Um, Lucas Haas. Yes, Lucas, yeah, Lucas Haas. If yeah. it's that exact cast of people. Yeah, that I will. Yeah. I, assume jo meta. I assume by, by now, Jonah Hill by default, he's, they seem like best friends all the time. So they, Oh, they, God, they, no. <laughs> No, but that, he was that not a market. part of the original posse. But you, can, no. you can't market a movie off Ethan's a plea. You'd have to get Jonah Hill. <laughs> you, uh, Toby Maguire, Spider Man. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a, that helps, but that's not Jonah Hill money. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hill money. Uh, my answer to this is um, uh, City Slickers. Yeah, there you go. That's a good answer. Yeah, Bruno Kirby. I don't yeah. have an answer for this one. Uh, the Weatherman. 
The uh, weatherman is great. You know another... why they don't throw things at him anymore? Because I walk around with a bow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, that's in my top 20. I really like the weatherman. I like him in it. Too. Gore Verbinski. Gore Verbinski. It's a weird, quirky movie, despite being like a major studio film. <laughs> Michael Caine's his dad. <laughs> yeah. Playing like, he's Michael Caine and he has the accent, but he doesn't. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, what are some great films about bad guys trying to go straight? This is a reference, obviously, to the bad guys. Chris writes, American History X, a film that couldn't be further from the bad guys. <laughs> oh, he's, trying to go, he's trying to do the right thing at the end. Bad guys trying to go straight. What are some good examples of that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> I think he's exactly trying to go straight. He's, okay. he's, try, he's trying to get his wife back. <laughs> By, by robbing casinos. <laughs> hey, that guy's a bad guy. Terry Bennett is a bad guy. He's more bad. <laughs> exactly. Sin City? Yeah. Okay. There's, there's elements of that in there. Bad guy's trying to go straight. This is harder than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's really coming to me, other than Sin City, that's coming to my, is the second season of True Blood. <laughs> <laughs> With Jason Stackhouse's character. <laughs> We'll accept it, even though it's TV. Yeah. Bad guys trying to go bad. City slickers. I have like, there's like this flurry of like foreign films coming to mind. <laughs> like, where it's like I'm trying, I'm trying to think of one specifically, but <laughs> I can, I can picture mm. like the try. I can picture the arc in my head, and then they still end up going to jail because, like, well, I had to make this choice anyway. <laughs> but I can't think of like the movie specifically. If I think of it, I'll shout it out. Okay. Well, now we go into the question that has been asked of everybody here on the panel today, which is from Chris Cleland, who writes, what would you like to see Robert Eggers take on next? Uh, and the mm. floor is yours. You know, a superhero movie. <laughs> no. I think you would hate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually glad that he's like, I don't want to do those. It's like, okay, yeah. Every, everybody, everybody don't have to do one. <laughs> I would love another horror movie mm-hmm. i know he's fond of period stuff but i think what about like a, a 50s 60s set horror movie that might be too modern for him but i think what would be going on i think he could play with like the limitations of of the technology of the time right it's like you don't have the like a paranoia thriller if it's like 50s mm-hmm. 60s yeah, or something like like Cold War. That'd Cold War, or like somebody had to move into a house in the wood. You know, just <laughs> something that he could do with that. I, the Blob is coming to me. I don't want him to remake the Blob, but like the the reason, like the, the sort of the the paranoia of the town and why that movie like, is like good. Body Snatchers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. Have any ideas? Yeah, musical, um, vaudeville, but horror. You know, I'm into so the all, wild party. I'm into all of that. Yeah, the wild party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or uh, the visit. Or the yes. The the visit the musical, not the the visit the movie turned uh, into a yeah. musical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, you know, lighthouse two still lighting it. Um, <laughs> this time we actually we actually see what's happening in the lighthouse. Yeah. Instead of just seeing like uh you know uh ejaculate. And it's just a weird squid mermaid playing yeah. with little building blocks, and they make funny shapes in the light. And there's like a seagull there. And um, then uh, hot pants at the end of the movie. I, I um, 
I, I, I don't think it, I was like, it be, what if you went further back in time? And it's like, what was that? Like, he's just playing with cavemen? Like, that's weird. I don't know what he'd do with that. Oh, if he would, you know what he, a, a biblical epic. And like take and ground it in reality. So it'd be, yeah. it'll be like um, Aronofsky doing Noah, right? Or I, or, I, will, or I despise mother. Noah. Yeah. Um, but it's a fairly, yeah. it's for, for that story, it's, it's grounded to a point. <laughs> yes. And then sure. it turns terrible. Uh, but yeah, maybe like a biblical epic in that because then Job. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, be... I'm envisioning <laughs> Tom Cruise turning his head. When he's like working at his laptop at Mission Impossible, now. Job. <laughs> you can do the story of Job. Take a you know one guy and just get, you treat, remember treat, treat him miserably. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking Cain and Abel actually. That so that would actually be because I you definitely know that he'd be like looking up like the old languages that they're speaking. And yeah, like, it'd be incredible what he could do with that. So you know he he loves research, and so that, that actually be pretty cool. Okay. Do it, Robert. You heard well, us. Good, <laughs> well, good, good questions all around. Um, but with that said, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, you can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodeisgeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing for We Live Entertainment and Wise to Blue. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag Nick Cage smooch is good. Hashtag character driven adult drama. <laughs> Terrence Johnson, where can people find more of you? You can find me at lenoirauto.net, L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net, and on Twitter at Terrence B. Johnson. You can find all the other episodes about Now Third Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, or H-H-W-L-O-D. Feel free to email us at outnotpodcast at gmail.com. Write on, right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnotpodcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash podcast. You can always stay up to date with our episodes over at Instagram.com slash up underscore podcast as well. And remember, reviews and ratings on iTunes. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Terrence, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Terrence. Oh, it was fun. Glad always to have a pleasure. You. For sure. We Glad look to... forward to your review of uh, uh, Fantastic Beasts 4 and 5 without having watched them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, look forward. Happy to have you on. Look forward to having you on again. Thank you to listeners for listening. And that's going to do it for this week. Next week, our picks for Summer Gamble X are coming exactly but until then until next time so long and goodbye hey 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 i know you think you know me you made your own conclusion you think that i look scary well that's your own delusion listen when i tell you there's more than meets the eye so take a closer look to find a real good guy but not the bad guy some of the trail for the northman he's back father's back oh father how was it oh i missed you my son that's my ethan hawk killer ethan hawk bro here i got you this neck. never take it off oh no thwip 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 spider-man's in the spider-man's in there <laughs>
that, oh, kid, wow. that, that kid that plays young um young Amblin, uh-huh. uh, it's the same little kid in uh, the batman um that's right that, the the mayor's son the mayor's son, oh i yeah. should have really? talked about that oh. i just watched that movie well it's too late now <laughs> i know down. you'll never talk about the batman <laughs> Now you're gonna have to wait another month. <laughs> North, it's fine. I don't want all your audience mad at me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I, we can talk about it after because I want to hear what you thought about. Yeah, it. I actually yeah. do want to hear what you. We'll get there. <laughs> all right. Okay. 